This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I give you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. Dude, I think this is fucking awesome. Thank you, man. See, no, I mean, this is the craziest thing ever. I was just, it's, it, to me it gets fun when I just can sit here and just be the kind of computer guy and set you up with some calls here. Because these, these it, you know how excited, it, you think it's cool for us, think how cool it is for some kid who just gets to come up, call up and talk to his favorite comedian on the air, look him right in the eyes and have a, a goofy conversation. And it's happened, the first time we got on the air it was like, with this, the first night we did Skype, it was just so awesome. Bob Saget was here and Max Miller was the caller in New York. And uh, Bob Saget made a joke about diarrhea, and uh, and basically, you know, it would cut from there, to, from here to New York, and Max Miller full screen, laughing, you know, his friggin' piss out of himself, and it was just kind of this moment. Hey, eh, Bill, don't you agree? Yeah. In your new four hundred dollars shoes that Diesel sent you today, because you work at Webovision. Okay, so cool. So you you like you just. If you're connected. You're, you're connected. Really connected. It really is different, you know, yeah. than, than television. This or is anything. way better. It's like radio, but it's like television. And the genre is different because we can sit here and ramp. You know, there isn't that time constraint. You know, there isn't that pressure. I mean, you know, we want to keep it moving. Well, not only but, that, you know, there's not a corporate pressure. See, yeah. the, the thing that fucked up television, the thing that fucked up entertainment in general, is money. They, st- they were selling advertising. So everybody has to say certain words. Don't say certain words. Don't bring up certain subjects. You, you can't just express yourself because you're expressing yourself to someone who's selling advertising space yeah. and that's all it, and that fucks up everything it, it doesn't it doesn't make anything good we need There's a fucked no up positive. advertiser around here that's all this you just need to keep doing this um, this we need to figure out how you make money from this yeah I've got a lot of neat ideas I want to talk to you about because yeah. I know you're into this computer thing I think we create a national interweb we sure. call it okay because we're on the national internet I think we make a thing called the national interweb we're all creative people that are online on the web web themselves link themselves together through a series of links and then create a mass traffic like a portal gauge. like a like portal some sort of uh, yeah like a portal yes. into the advertising revenue yeah. stream yeah, no shit. <laughs> you know, and take a little bit from the big wigs, right? Dude, this is, I mean, fancy wa- suits. they don't need to exist. Yeah. They're non-creative people. We mm. talked about this before the show. They're non-creative people who are controlling creative things. Yeah. And they want to have their input. And yeah. it's fucking maddening. Who, I mean, who, that shit that happened a, with Chappelle when he left Comedy Central. Who occasionally give us jobs as well. Yeah, they give you jobs and it's nice <laughs> and, and you're you know, making ridiculous amounts of money. We've all had great times together as well. Fuck them, man. We're all caught up in this thing together. Just abandon them. Abandon ship. You know, I'm kind of...
Continuing our streak of not having to apologize, it's episode 83 of Behind the Schemes for February 7, 2022, and I am Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the bereft coast where people are partying so hard, my name is Lavish. Well, little Diddy told me it was party time. Hey man, that little Diddy was right. People are going <laughs> nuts out here. It is a, it was an awakening. I don't know what it is, but everyone's like, oh yeah, it's over. What's the Everybody's uh, pulling back the mandates and everything. It's fun. Do you have a lavish on the ground report? Well, I I have a lavish on the ground report from going to a series of breweries and uh, giving out promotional materials, which I might have talked about on a, on a previous show, but I did that for a San Francisco beer fest. And I went to all these different breweries uh, all over the Bay Area, uh, dropping off boxes. And that day was one of the best days I've had in a very long time. It was, I mean, it, not to say that I, yeah, it, it was a very great day. And in the sense that everybody was out, everybody was um, trying to connect with other people and see live music and go out drinking. And I mean, every bar was packed. Everything was great. Um, it, it was it was awesome. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to talk about that opening clip, which is awesome. <laughs> That's uh, Joe Rogan on the Tom Green show way back in the day. What year was was that? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, let me scroll back through the show notes and I can let you know. It has to be in like the early 2000s somewhere. Um, 2007. 2007, I was say, between 03 or 07. And I think this was at um, his house. Wasn't his studio at his house? Yeah. Tom Green had this, this whole thing set up. Uh, it, he was way ahead of his time. And Joe Rogan, you're watching Joe Rogan figure out that podcasting can be a thing. And all these years later in the world of podcasting, that's kind of a, kind of a, a pivotal moment. <laughs> In, in the history of podcasting, when Joe Rogan figures out from Tom Green that, that this is a thing. Um, and, and you can hear them talk about like what we are doing with No Agenda Social and with uh, all, all these sorts of communities that we've developed through here. He's talking about having a, a national network and people can call in, people can communicate. I mean, psh, Tom Green, man, good, good on him for calling that so early on. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Way ahead of the curve. Any reason why you uh, brought that one up? Um, It was, uh, I don't know. I thought it was a refreshing, just kind of breath of fresh air from all of the other Rogan stuff. Something to kind of like cleanse the palate a little bit. Yeah. It's really nice to like go back to the beginning and see the humble start of what the craziness of our world has become. This guy is just one of the biggest titans in the world now. Not only in the sense that he has all the influence, but it's all the media talks about is this guy. Yeah. Uh, Philip DeFranco was bringing up a couple of stories where it almost seemed like uh, every chance that people took to uh, step away or condemn Joe Rogan, it ended up backfiring on him. So you got like the Howard Stern, you got the rock, the rock was uh, tweeting out in favor and then he heard the uh, N-bomb compilation clip and had to walk that mm-hmm. back. And then people are like, whoa, why are you walking it back? Or, well, the, the Rock, that's not nearly enough. Look at you, who, who you've supported. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a funny thought earlier. What if we made our 
boostagram sound, an ISO of Ethan Klein dropping the M bomb. Would that make uh, us or put us in a position of having to apologize? Uh, to me. Damn. No, no. I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they say you miss every shot that you don't take. That's right. That's true. Well, we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll we'll do a poll. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I guess uh, the the final thoughts on the on the Rogan stuff. I was like, oh well. I mean, it's getting kind of boring at this point. I think. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's very dry. I mean, that's the that's the sense with all of this media coverage, and the reason why Rogan is so popular in the first place is because everybody's so fake with all their standing with this and standing with that. And uh, again, Rogan is is the genuine media sensation. He's the real guy who's just some dude talking with people, and that's it. That's it. And and they just cannot. They cannot get over the fact that this jackass has them beat so bad. Everybody, <laughs> everybody who criticizes him, you know, they speaking of him and, and UFC stuff leading into UFC stuff. I saw a great clip of Dana White who, you know, made the UFC what it is today. One of the major, major fighting organizations, um, you know, the most mainstream fighting organization right now in the United States, maybe in the world. And he said the same thing. All these people criticize me, but what the hell have they accomplished? What the hell have they fucking done? You know, they're just a bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great, great way of uh, summing it all up. Who the hell are you? I got something I can't get over. It's our uh, tarot card for tonight. Which uh, Oh my goodness. I, I just noticed an error inside of tarotx.net. I drew the four of wands from the line strider deck. But I'm reading the first header, and it says keyword by three of wand, three of wands, line strider. Well, it's the four, though, right? Yeah, I've All read right. it. I've encountered fake news. Uh, can you? What's the other ter- uh, labyrinth? Those, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the labyrinth. Uh, well, the four of wands, meaning uh, this card, of course, depicts, of course, depicts a couple which dances beneath a welcome wreath, which is tied between four wands. And the crystals are tipped. Uh, this card generally means community or home or like a party or stability or some sense of belonging. That's that's generally what this card means. And then reversed, which is not reversed, but were reversed, it would be the, dis- the disturbing of that. So that's the general reflection. So this is the party card. This is a good card. We've got the party. This is the party <laughs> theme. This is a party show. This is one of those late night shows. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, well, that's completely thrown me off my game. What's uh, what's the art on that one? It's the the art for. Well, we can pull it up in uh, the four uh, chan deal. The in the chat art four of wands. Oh, uh, so Bam. there's there's the sort of pillar pillar iconography there. Yeah, you got the two the couple uh, dancing in between these four pillars. Two and two offset, and then there's a wreath of peace. And then in the in the card here, you've got a castle in the background. It's very prosperous. The background is gold. It's a very very lovely card, and one that you should be very happy to get if it ever pulls up. 
I have some uh, keywords here. Community, homes, celebrations, reunions, parties, gatherings, stability, and belonging. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Those are the ones. Yeah, I like the... Fulfillment. Uh, I like that sort of portal. There's a threshold unto the ultimate party. And I'm actually looking at the Labyrinthos uh, card, and instead of uh, people, it's a giant, like, peach castle uh, from Mario Brothers. Mm. It's pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, the castle seems to be a prominent theme with the Four of Wands. You're dancing in front of your beautiful fortifications that will keep you safe and prosperous. Jeez, what a nice card. I feel like we've gotten some kind of tumultuous cards, uh, not all the time, but this is like, this is a very positive card here. I think it's perfectly appropriate for the fact that we are about to go to the Nashville Valentine's Day meetup, and we're going to go... Spend some time with our community. We're going to celebrate. There's going to be a reunion, a gathering, um, and I believe a sense of belonging. I think everybody's going to get along <laughs> real well, and uh, and just ha- everybody's going to mash and not argue about stupid politics, and that'll be really nice. It'll be our own little gathering of the Juggalos. That's right. You are the Juggalos. <laughs> do, uh, do we want to hit that promo that Spencer made up? Sure. Yeah. 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 This one was played on No Gin just uh, last uh, Sunday. Let's see here. Going to Nashville oh, in February. Yes. I'm very excited about that. Yes, it's a roller skating no agenda meetup. It's on Valentine's Day on February 14th. Hey, it's your Spencer Wolf, Kansas City. And Dame DeLorean of Bowl After Bowl. We're going to Nashville and we're bringing the whole wolf pack. Hey, everybody. Sir Chris Fox here. I'll be attending with my smoking hot wife, Samantha, and we cannot wait to see all of your beautiful faces. Love is lit. This is Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And this is Lavish of Behind the Schemes. And you are all cordially invited to join us for an open mic broadcast. We hope to see you there. I'm Sir Sir Seat Sitter, and I'll be at the Valentine's Day meetup. Just look for the guy that looks like Homeless Jesus. Big meetup. That's right, the big Valentine's love meetup at the Roller Ring. Hey, guys. It's Dame Jennifer. Come spend the day of love with your fellow lovely No Agenda producers. You know you want to. Ah, uh, just lovely. One of the best promos ever. I heard it from the man uh, himself. Allegedly. allegedly, according to the Mueller report. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, I'm excited. Uh, that means the next time that you and I talk, uh, it will be on Sunday when we both get in. Mm. Yep. Uh, me and Booberry are going to go watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, I don't know where. And I don't know how, but we are going to somehow get there, uh, check in, dump our shit off, and then probably go to the nearest bar and watch the Super Bowl. Who's playing? Your game. Uh, it's the Rams versus the um, Bengals. The LA Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I think I could be game for that. Yeah. I think it would be hell I just don't game. want. I just don't want the Rams to win. <laughs> all right. I'll, uh, That's all I care about. I'll cheer against them for you. Yeah, that's you know, I'm a I'm a Raiders fan, so my guys don't usually get into anything. So usually, I just end up watching the Super Bowl, wanting someone to lose more than the other one. <laughs> I like it. I, I like that spin on it. They don't win. Yeah, <laughs> the 
Bengals did make it to the Super Bowl. Bill of Bone. This was a weird one. I'm not a big super, uh, not a big football fan, but this was kind of a weird playoffs. All the big characters didn't make it this year. All the familiar cast of superstars they they didn't make it. Your Brady's and your Mahomes and your and your Rogers. None of them made it this year. So pretty freaky deaky, don't you think? Huh? Huh? Oops! Shit. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's yes. What- <laughs> I made blueberry spring. I know. You caught me. You caught me live in the act. Uh, I can't remember the last time that I watched a Super Bowl game. Actually sat down. Although it's a big tradition in my family. If it's going to be at a bar, I I bet there's going to be a little more standing involved, which I'm totally game for. I just want to get out and see a huge group of people. We will see. I I mean, I don't know. We we might be out there in Madison. I don't know how nuts they're going to go out there. I don't know, man. I've got feelings. It's... Coming into 2022, shit's starting to shake up a little bit. People are stretching. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Dust is starting to fall. Hey, man. I think it's going to be a big party. It's going to be a good time. I, I This will be the first time I've ever not watched the Super Bowl like with my family. Oh, and wow. So I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. I, I was thinking about that. <laughs> it's like the first time in my life I think I've never watched it with them. So uh, I'm excited. Not that not that it matters. Like we don't really care. We just get together. It's just a tradition. But it's the four of wands. It's the four of wands. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing, brother. Doing it with a different fam, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's it. That's it for that. We're we're going to this Valentine's Day thing, and apparently a ton of people are going. I mean, oh my god, just a ton of people are going to go. Uh, so that's that's going to be awesome. Yeah, Midas and Tunta and uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter and and uh, the Bowlers, the Bowlers and Dame Chris Jennifer Fox, yeah. and Chris Fox and I asked for an uh, I asked for a guest list to get an idea how many people had actually signed up at this point, but I never heard anything uh, back about it. Oh, well, you can always check the RSVP numbers again on the No Agenda thing. Hmm. But, I'll, uh, uh, I'll circle back to that here in a bit. Um, Oh, the way you never know until you show up. Some people don't sign up. Some people don't show up. It's fun. Damn, the one I went to in, in, in Ohio had like 30 people there. And that was just low key, like, whatever. This is. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to harp on this all night. Uh, one thing I do want to harp on is our show notes. That's where you can go check out that tarot card that we were just talking about. It's posted over at zosascorner.substack.com. Check it out. All sorts of cool stuff, photos, articles, videos, pretty much everything that we bring to you for tonight's production is saved up in that. So check it out. Uh, we also have a green room. Looks great. The uh, irc.zerno.net. I think yes, you know that's right. You can join us in the chat. Yep, we're there with all the other freaks of hazards and Servo and Gal and uh, Lavish and myself are in here. I see Jigs two two two. I he's over from OBDM. What up? How's it going? How's it going, Jigs? Uh, yeah. Oh, according to June, one hundred and eighteen at the meetup. Nice. Yeah, you can hop in the chat. Lots of people in there. Currently, we have about forty one uh, voiced individuals in the chat. And uh, they're all uh, buzzing a boot. They have lots of great knowledge as well. And we learn a lot from them. And that's always a good time. Mm, no doubt. 
And the last thing to to remember is that this is a value for value production trying to get in on that podcasting 2.0. Uh, so head over to newpodcastapps.com. Check out one of them fancy apps. You can check out chapters, transcripts, and uh, streaming sats. All sorts mm-hmm. of weird, wacky shit. Yeah, there's all kinds of things going on. If you're looking for a project, you found it. <laughs> um, and I got uh, I got a little something to surprise you with. But did you have anything else that you wanted to say about value for value? That uh, we don't have any ads. We don't have any corporate sponsors. We don't have anybody in our pockets tickling our Johnsons because we are value for value production, which means that we don't have any corporate overlords. We don't have any. It's 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 over. We 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 say what we want to say. <laughs> it's value for value. We are the public radio now, and it's only because of producers and freaks of hazards and uh, and folks who tune in, such as yourselves, that this sort of production gets to go on. You are the the root, the foundation, the rock. So thank you so much. That is what value for value is all about. If you get any value out of this production, then you can call us. You can email us. You can send us clips. You can leave us a voicemail and scream at us, uh, you know, or you can send financial contributions, of course, uh, at our website, BehindTheSchemes.com or LoveIsLit.com or BadRadio.Live. Uh, it feels really good to have LoveIsLit.com back. Oh, yeah. That one's got to be in the fold. Got to be. Got to be. Got to be. I love it. That's exactly what I was looking for. Boost me, baby. <laughs> Boost me, bitch. Boost me! Oh, yes! Boost me! Hey, baby. Your daddy let you boost? Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And, uh, end of story. Gotta have those sexy numbers in there. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Who made that? Uh, We're going to call him MK. MK Ultra'd us tonight with with a myriad of jingles. Whoa. I'm blown away. Man, that was so cool. Guess how many times? Guess how many times I sat there and just played the shit out of that stack of cues? Because oh my Jesus! Wow, that was funky, dude. I I, I adore it. I <laughs> I love I love it. That's a that's so good. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm blown away. That was awesome. Uh, thank you, thank you, Anon. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, if I, I, can't, I can't wait to hear it again. I, we're not going to listen to it now, but I, I can't wait to like <laughs> hear it again. Eventually. All right, everybody, tune in next week. <laughs> we did All the right, show live in the air, Bad Radio Live, and seven thirty. We're back. Okay, <laughs> here we are, and it's a voicemail line. Okay, you can call us here, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, man, that uh, that phone number, it's 612-263-7999. Easiest way to support this show, call in and scream your pretty little face off. That's correct. 612-263-7999.
Nine. I bet this color's pretty. Oh. Oh? The nothing is pretty. Hmm. Was it just a beep? I think so. Just a beep. We're scrolling through. We're scrolling through. We're scrolling through. Got nothing. How about this next one? When you die somewhere, I'll gonna die. Excellent. I'm gonna uh, give that caller a solid 8.9 out of 10. That was an excellent, excellent scream. Good I, one. Good I one, can, caller. Yeah, I can dig it. Uh, we also have a, uh, a new courage, caller. Boostagram sound for tonight that Lavish has not heard. So if you want to surprise Lavish and also scare me because I still get jumpy around this thing. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Hit up one of them boosting apps. Check it out. Um, oh, nice. Wait until we get the boost. <laughs> uh, in that regards, I think that's all of our business. I suppose mm-hmm. uh, that means it's only other time. Or it's uh, it's only. Ugh, oh, my God. Word salad tonight. It's finally that time you know, to roll I just want to clarify. Yesterday, we, Booberry and I just want to clarify. We did a uh, show with Sir Seat Sitter, uh, following live, no agenda, the Battle of the Douches. And, uh, and uh, we're, we're rolling. We're rolling on it this weekend. We've been all over the place. So, yeah, it has. Apologies it, for the little word salad. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually it has been kind of a hellaciously filled week. Um, <laughs> it's been awesome. Yeah. It's been fun. Actually, the keeper looked at me, <laughs> looked over at me. We went to go see ghosts a couple of nights ago, which I'll talk about later. But uh, she looked over at me one point. She's like, man, you, you just look ragged right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was this was uh, this was Saturday night. <laughs> we hadn't even done the uh, abs in the six pack yesterday. <laughs> well, such is the life of a party animal. Yeah, that was before you did the show and then you did the show. Oh, God. It was good. It was fun. I had, I had a great time, and I'm, I think you did too. It was awesome. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, it was really fun getting that immediate uh, feedback. Uh, what it was was we put sixteen douchebags from the internet up against each other in attorney style, uh, seven or fifteen round elimination. And winner yeah, takes all. Nice little elimination bracket of douchebags. Yeah, we'll, we'll publish it eventually, and we'll put it up. Yeah, uh, uh, it was a good one. Yeah, had a good time. A lot of material. Scott Adams and Ethan Klein ended up being the two finalists. Mm-hmm. Which everybody was really surprised about the Scott Adams thing. Well, he came out of the left field, I think. What really won him was him screaming at that random woman on his, in his chat room or whatever and just saying all <laughs> that mean shit to her. I mean, that was like, whoa. That was probably the meanest uh, clip uh, that anybody brought that day. With Scott Adams, just yeah, whatever. Uh, oh wait, Ned's right. Your mom won. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Not your mom. Love you, Mama Bear. Um, yeah, we're we're in like Flint. So shall we roll? Uh, yes. Um, I want to do. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna like this. Uh, okay. Before I play it, I want to do a D twenty. The highest roller gets to pick who goes first 
Okay. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. did not do well for this one i have not heard that jingle either (laughs) and that was also awesome how many is this gonna be the whole episode are you blowing my mind with all this fucking awesome jingleage the uh it was sent from two different emails um this batch and the previous batch let me go back to episode 81 Uh, I I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the same uh, lovely group of folks. Thank you for saving our democracy! Well, we're gonna suck at sale. (laughs) 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 Ah, terrific. Yes. Lovely. Uh, So the the other two that I got, we're gonna be playing them at the end of the show. Because they're more uh, song, right. songy. But uh, yeah, so we have a new... Uh, so hot. I'm so excited. I'm a new so jingled. Consider I'm, me jingled. <laughs> jingle jangle. <laughs> uh, I got a two. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I got a ten. Mm. Hey, if you multiply that, it's a twenty. We both win. We're both critical wieners. Uh, well, guess what? You're going first. <laughs> nice. Actually, no, no, I'm just kidding. You're going first. <laughs> Cause I've been going first. So I've, I've gone first. Like, uh, I think I've gone first the last like four shows. What was that? Uh, that's a boost from Sir Oma for 2,222 sats through fountain. Whoa. Sir Oma, my man. And he just said, uh, Boo Street. Boo Street? Yes. Hmm. Must be in Omaha somewhere. And that, uh, would, uh, that was a James Brown riff that I found. Yeah, I was about to say. That's JB. That's definitely JB. Oh, yeah. I was just watching clips of JB today. I'm a big fan of that guy. How did you know? Because you specifically asked for a grunt. And I got to thinking, who do I know that grunts? Oh. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Uh, well, I, I, that gets two thumbs up from me. I'm just, this is just like Christmas come early. I got there's a lot of jingles. There's a lot of stuff happening Brown. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And I rolled so I don't have to go first. You can go first. I can sit here and get high and just listen to you talk about whatever. You know, it's great. This is a great day. But he's getting better and better. No doubt. And uh, right before the show, Cold Acid came through with 420 sats saying, eyes are everywhere. So, And how right he is, Cold Acid. Thank you. They're watching you. Cold Acid is absolutely correct about that. You got to watch out for all those eyes. Many spies have many eyes. <laughs> I should go get that tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's from, right? No, actually. Oh, then I shouldn't tell you. You get it tattooed, and then I'll tell you where it's from. Oh, I love it. (laughs) 
so the first thing I was going to bring up for tonight, uh, you just heard me talking about this ghost concert. I'm going to go out on record and say that their lighting designer is probably one of the best guys that I've seen for a somewhat recent band in recent memory. This guy, mm-hmm. holy shit. I just dropped a mega folder into the green room and check out a couple of the okay. photos that I pulled out. The uh, mega folder. Yep. I mean, I, and it's weird. Like I, every time that you see someone try to attempt a rainbow, uh, any sort of rainbow scheme, it looks like some fucking vomit collar or uh collar vomit onto the stage. It's like, I'm just going to do everything everywhere. Yeah. But it's this hard guy, because you have to isolate the whole point of a rainbow is, you know, you got to isolate all those colors and it's tough because that's what light is comprised of. Sorry for the garbage link, but uh, this particular photo, they actually do a rainbow proper. And if you're not familiar with mm. ghosts, it's like a, it's like Scooby-Doo meets Satanism. They well, got the whole, if it didn't already, yeah. <laughs> but I get your point. Um, I guess on a more esoterical level, it's interesting because, uh, they, what song was this? This was um, Dance Macabre, uh, which was one of the singles off their recent album. And, and then they actually closed the show with Square Hammer, which is all about uh, Freemasonry, the, the, uh, the compass, and mm. the, the ruler. Ooh, I like it. Or the, I'm sorry, not the ruler, the compass and the, uh, the square. The compass and the square. You got you. I got you. But uh, the, whole, wow. the whole so stage goes, I mean, just every every light that they use end up, ends up turning white, uh, which I think is very, you know, they're just Satanists enough that I think they're they're really into it. They're, they're trying to do some alchemy on stage and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I see the ultimate white triangle that they've got up there, too. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Boost made me feel good. Let's see. Sir Spencer 3369 from the Fountain App. Fountain App's hella popular. Uh, can't yep, wait to roll around. Them. Did you ever figure out uh, refilling? No, no. But we'll get to that. Uh, what does Sir Spencer say? Uh, can't wait to roll around the rink on Valentine's one week away. Yes. Can't be on IRC. Can you send me the Discord for BTS? Oh. Yes, absolutely. Mm. All right. Hell yeah, I That's can. That's a good point to make as well. We do have a Discord channel as well, if that is your preference. Oh, shit, man. He sent that message like <laughs> 45 minutes ago. <laughs> shit. Sorry, bro. And that's why they call it lightning. Uh, so, yes. Do you have a particular favorite photo that stands out? I mean, every... I like it so much because the intent... Behind the design is very deliberate, and they are. I do. Sorry, what's that? Uh, And I mean the color schemes with everything; it all just works. Yeah, it's very, very lovely. Uh, I I don't know if this works. If I been posting this picture in the chat, I like this. uh, I guess it didn't work. It's hard to just kind of pick one and throw. Oh, is it the is it the rainbow one? Towards the end. It's the one where they're all uh, just like, per- it looks like they're aligned really nice. It's like a nice matrix, ma- matrix going where everything's like uh, 
squared up because mm. the lights are all flitting around and then all of a sudden they make like perfect bars they look like bricks of light and i think that looks that's a really cool effect the um they had a bunch of uh i wish i could i wish i knew the name of them but they're uh remote spotlights so it's a it's a mover head mounted on truss and then it's uh tied back to a camera backstage that a spotlight operator is running with mm. the handles and you know they've got a monitor that they're sitting there watching uh or you know shining the spotlight with it's very interesting mm. you get some really neat pictures um it's uh number seven you can see uh <clears throat> there's uh, it's only those six lights on and then the two um spotlights from the front but even just using those six lights you get this sort of uh a pentagram yes exactly it's a pentagram yeah yeah i totally see it they know what they're doing and it's funny so many so many people now know I'm sure a lot of people in the audience are like oh pentagram <laughs> no no <laughs> well i did give I myself like a the stained glass windows in the back too are a cool effect perhaps the devil himself was responsible (laughs) perhaps perhaps so yes uh, there's a mega folder check them out Uh, it's cool I guess I got some videos too maybe at some point I'll get them posted onto no agenda too but you only have so much space over there so yeah right on there is a new Alien TV series coming out. Are you a big fan of the Alien movies? Uh, mm, no. I, yeah, I guess. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the new ones. I hear the Danny McBride uh, was in one, and I never saw that one. And, yeah, I, you know, they're cool. I like the first one, obviously. Yeah, I heart Ridley. Ripley, yeah. sorry. Ripley. Yeah, the first two, Alien and Aliens. Very, very good. I came across a Van- Vanity Fair article where they're interviewing Noah Hawley, who is a showrunner for the Fargo TV series, which I've also never seen before. Mm, yeah. yeah, I haven't watched that, but I hear it's great. The uh, This article, though, <laughs> during this interview, it uh, kind of takes a, a weird, funny left turn. We'll, we'll start out right here, right at the beginning. Quote, eat the rich? That's not a bad premise for a new iteration of Alien, but most of the time the series about hyper-predatory extraterrestrials has focused on working-class heroes. <laughs> hmm. Uh, maybe, there's uh. A, uh, maybe there's a capitalism metaphor inherent in the series, though. Of course, the, the capitalist being the Wayland yutani Corporation. Hmm, Wayland. I've heard that before. Oh, yeah, the alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in on that. Okay. Well, uh, so Noah Hawley, like I said, he's coming out to uh, create this show and is quoted as saying, "It's about time for the facehuggers and the xenomorphs to sink their claws into the white collar executives who have been responsible for sending so many employees to their doom." <laughs> It's about corporations, man. <laughs> Down with the system. <laughs> Come on, bro. Stop sending guys to die at aliens, bro. Uh, these are uh, those, the uh, the Ridley Scott, the James Cameron. Those are great monster movies, but they're not just monster movies. They're about humanity trapped between our primordial parasitic past and our artificial intelligence future. 
and they're both trying to kill us. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was a, that was a quote from uh, from Noah. Uh, when asked if it was continuing the story of Ripley, he says that it's not. Uh, she's one of the greatest characters of all time, and I think the story has been told pretty perfectly. I just don't want to mess with it. Uh, he's That's also a good call. Uh, also states that it's set on Earth. Uh, the alien story. See. Oh, the alien movies are always, you know, they're trapped on the prison, they're trapped on the spaceship, they're trapped on that that uh, moon in Aliens. Mm-hmm. But then I got to thinking, there was an alien movie, there was two alien movies set on Earth already, Alien vs. Predator 1, and Alien vs. Predator Requiem, or whatever the fuck they called it. Mm-hmm. So I just, I thought it was interesting that they kind of glossed over that one. Uh, uh Okay. Not good, by the way. Don't don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you're not missing not missing much. I yeah, I, uh, I I I haven't seen a good portion of them. Yeah, good portion. Let's see. Uh, Vanity Fair goes on to compare uh, Alien to uh, Waiting for Godot. That the okay. the, the blue collar <laughs> truckers are kind of like Samuel Beckett's characters ordered to go to a place by a faceless and nameless corporation. Um, oh, God, these guys are so fucking hidey tidy. Telling all these stories and trying to pass all these morals, but don't actually exhibit any of them in their everyday life. You know what I mean? What is this message supposed to spell out in the face of everything that's going on? Like, yeah. anyway, please continue. Well, I guess to kind of just wrap my feelings about it, isn't the xenomorphs in the alien and aliens, just talking about the first two, aren't they the sort of hive mind and there's one queen and everyone else is on the same playing level everybody becomes an alien wouldn't that be a little more communistic of course (laughs) they're saying (laughs) the aliens are coming (laughs) Karl Marx is all about communism you know Karl Marx is a xenomorph get up on there with his face hugger action and implant you with one of his chest bursters I uh I have to I have to tell you today on Wikipedia the the featured article uh, was uh wait hold on I, you just reminded me I got to find this the featured article is uh Marx why Marx was right a 2011 book by Terry Eagleton on the philosopher Karl Marx which explains all while all about why Marx was actually great and right and communism works and that's the featured article on Wikipedia today. Yeah, brother. So, you know, <laughs> no, uh, but I'm sure it's not any political or anything. Like, I'm sure they just picked some book out of the blue and made it the number one. Nothing. But in the face of sci-fi, sci-fi is always kind of like with Star Trek, I think is a very famous example. Like the whole federation of Star Trek is very socialist. Utopian, very much utopian, yeah. Like, there, you know, we don't work or we don't work, uh, but we don't get paid. You know, there's no salary, whatever you want, you just get. We're all equal, <laughs> you know, to each his own merit type of thing. It's like, uh, yeah, I just can't wait. I can't wait for it. <laughs> it's gonna be so uh, good. It'll be well, 
I hate that they make Alien out to be anything more than what it is. You know what Alien is. You know what they designed the Alien after. You know what the whole psychology of that first movie was. Yeah, he's a Geiger. Yeah. He, he was genius. He designed all these beautiful... And guess what? <laughs> it's a penis. It's, it's a giant penis. The whole thing is about sexual assault. <laughs> That's really what... That first alien was about, and that's like the inherent fear. Is it's all about like unwanted penetration, and well, there was and, a uh, there, there was actually a scene cut out of that movie. That's uh, it was. I mean, they they ended up actually filming that scene with the alien. Um, well, I'm sorry, it wasn't. It was implied. It was implied mm-hmm. based off of sound effects, but um, didn't make the cutting room. It didn't make the uh, it hit the cutting room floor. I should say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true. They, they had enough imagery in it as it was. They didn't need anything else. But that's that's that was the whole original premise of Alien. So everything they do is just a spinoff of that original concept. Ooh, I think we have a wiener. Huh? Uh, how will do? Uh, okay. So let me let me throw this at you. Do you want to hear about dinosaurs in Charlotte, North Carolina, or do you want to hear? Uh, a couple of clips that were sent in to us by bags. Uh, have oh, to do I want with, to hear the bags clips. Hell yeah. Uh, what do they have to do with? It's Dan Pina. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce his last name, but you might recognize it from the, uh, you remember when John and Adam took that uh, vacation day and they ended up <laughs> playing the supercut of climate change clips? Yeah, I do. There was one guy in there that was a, it was some sort of speech or like a sit down questionnaire public forum. And this woman stands up and starts uh, berating him about what he's going to do about climate change, what she's going to be able to do or not to do uh, for her children. And he just, he just goes off on her and lays it out in a very (laughs) pragmatic way. As to the uh, sham of climate change. Mm. Uh, so Wait on me. It's a P-E-N-A. In 2011, my wife and I were in Antarctica, renewing our vows. For most of you that don't know, Antarctica's on a mountaintop. Okay? And uh, there is a $500 million fa- um, facility, uh, scientific facility there, and, and the scientists came to give us presentations about global warming. And they had cores of ice that they had drilled. They had drilled four or 5,000 cores, and they only brought 15 or 20. So they're going through the second or third core, and they said, uh, 275,000 years ago, this was the temperature, blah, 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 blah. And then 55,000 years ago, th- the world was two degrees warmer Celsius than it is today. This is 2011. And oh, wait, stop, stop, stop. And he said, and I said, well, you mean the whole world? He says, yes. And the poles are only benchmarks. And I said, well, what about the things that the, the young woman alluded to? Okay. And he said, it's all cyclical. And although the gas may have exacerbated it, in the cosmos of time, it's not a fart in the wind. In the cosmos of time, of the 13.8 billion years that we've been on this miserable planet, it's not a fart in the wind. And as I told Joe Rogan, 
on his show, and he said in his infinite wisdom, and uh, Joe, if you hear this, I thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. He said, then in 25,000 years, it's most likely not going to be a problem. Now, my direct answer to your question, if that were really true, would you believe, and let's just for a moment say that it is true. That means that the best scenario vis-a-vis global warming is about 10 feet raising water. That's the best scenario over the next 40, 50 years. That's the best scenario. The worst scenario is about 100 feet. But let's just take the 10 feet. If the water on the planet is going to rise up 10 feet, that means the southern part of the United States is gone. England is gone. Most of Europe is gone. And I can go, uh, most of Central America is gone. Is this clip starting to sound familiar? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I love his passion in this next part. Uh, this is where it really erupts. And you can tell easily what the scam is if you just pay attention to what the bankers are doing. If that's the case, let's just take Florida, for example, which is one of the fastest growing condominium, beachfront condominiums on the planet. In the prospectus, when you invest, there should be, in the footnotes, if global warming is for real, they won't put it that way, global warming happens and water rises 10 feet, this investment you made is fuck all. (laughs) Not one single investment prospectus written since 2000, this century, has alluded to global warming. Now, one motherfucker, if it were really true, the banks wouldn't invest. The banks wouldn't finance. Now, one motherfucking condominium. So the people that have the money, and I'm, I'm jealous of the vice president, Gore, which Sally and I rode on a plane from South America with a few years ago. I am jealous he came up with a scam before I did. Because the financial institutions, the banks of this world, know it's not going to happen. Otherwise, you couldn't get a goddamn loan in London. You know those 30, 40-year mortgages? The world will be over by then. Is Barclays Bank going to give you a motherfucking loan? (laughs) With the greatest respect, Bam. It's the greatest fraud that's been perpetrated on mankind this century. That's awesome. That's a great... Dude, the way... Putting it like that, every, every adult, every working adult can understand, like... The, the concept of you couldn't get a 30-year loan if they really thought that in 30 years the world was going to end. Yeah, 2033. It's all coming to yeah. a close. It's over. We got 12 years left. Well, they've been saying that every every five years we got 12 years left. Remember 2012? Boy. Yeah. That was 10 <laughs> years ago, man. Oh, man. Well, he, uh, he sends another. There's one more clip that is not part of the same video. But, uh... Pina here has got some thoughts about Bitcoin, which I thought you might find interesting. Mm. You know who's behind Bitcoin? Putin. It's a Ruski conspiracy to fuck up the American economy and the world. It's a long-range plan he started seven, eight years ago. 
He's going to see the demise of the Western financial world while he's still the head of Russia. He's going to live. He's going to be there long enough. And he, and he and he's already hacked into the brains of all the morons. You, YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on him. We're not on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like no. that theory, though. What do you think about that theory? Could be interesting. I mean, I don't really think that the U.S. currency needs any help in uh, seeing its demise. If I was going to be realistic about it, I mean, it's just just a sort of a one of the longest pump and dumps in this nation, right? <laughs> longest running. I, I mean, probably. And the sad thing is, is it has been running that long. Federal Reserve note really hasn't been around for that long. Uh, it's fun. Wow. I mean, it could be it'd be interesting. Um, well, if I were Russia, I'd be jealous. I mean, the, the the U.S. dollar is a reserve currency, so if if Russia wanted to, you know, throw a monkey in that wrench, you know what I mean? Throw a wrench in that monkey, uh, <laughs> then they would do that. I see it. You don't but, touch the monkey. You let the monkey touch you. That's correct. That's very correct. That's not medical advice, but it is good advice. Well, um, only the best of advice. That's right. It is sound. Uh, I always the the thing they always talk about is it's how it's a China conspiracy that the all the miners are in China. They've got buildings full of people who who mine Bitcoin all day. These super super powered computers, and they take up all of the good uh, computer components and they drive up the price of all the computer parts and make it hard to find. And that's like been the the trouble. I mean, there was a, there was a period of time after uh, mining, you know, became big, I guess you could say that it got a lot harder to find good computer parts and, and shit got a lot more expensive. And graphic cards and all that. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse every year. And especially now that they've got all these, these supply issues, um, you know, in China, China, you know, really just like having us by the balls on all this stuff. They have the manufacturing dominance. And we're talking about China. I mean, I don't want to talk about China too much because that's actually part of what I'm going to talk about later. But, but to have Russia be the culprit now as well, and we all know that Russia and China do have a special relationship. They, they are kind of the Communist Party of China and and the the history of the Soviet Union and of Russia as it exists now as a state, there are a lot of ties there. And um, China wouldn't be the industrial force it is today without the help of, uh, without the help of the Bolsheviks and without the help of the, that revolutionary party, <laughs> Stalin in particular. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree. Comrade chess buster. Chess buster. <laughs> Sorry, we can't get flagged. We only get flagged by by Shazam. That would be the worst. That would absolutely, absolutely. I don't know how I could cope. I would have my apologizing boots on, ready to rock and roll. Uh, ah, shit! I gotta find my apology boots. Mm. Well, let's. Uh, right. I'll try this one for an apology. Yeah. 
I uh, I have a weird story for you now. Oh, the a weird story. Yes, a weird story. So, The Exorcist, the movie, right? Came out in the seventies. Yes. It's pretty yes. spooky. Um, there's a lot of lore. More of the spookiest, they say. Yeah, all sorts of uh, crazy tricks that they were pulling off on camera to simulate mm. the exorcism of or the uh, the possession of Linda Blair. Head spinning. Mm-hmm. Back breaking crawls down the stairs. Um, Back breaking of bed vibrating. Yes. The head Literally. spinning, the pea soup. All sorts of people got fucked up in that movie. Yep. The movie is based off of a book by William Blatty, uh, which I've read before. I still have a copy of it. I very much enjoyed the book. Reading it at the tender young age of 16, maybe. It was spooky. A scary book. Mm. But surely you're aware that this book is based off of a real story. Yes. How uh, Do you have any uh, background on the story before we get started? I don't know anything more than it probably happened somewhere in New England. And uh, I, I really don't know much more beyond that. But I do know that it was like based on a true event. Yes, it was uh, 19... 1950, 1950-ish is when it started. It started happening, okay. excuse me, 1949. Um, it uh, involved a boy by the name of Ronald Doe, uh, which turns out to be a pseudonym. They ended up hiding the identity of this boy to you know, protect him from press and, and people being nosy and all this shit. Mm-hmm. But um, these first two clips here, they're going to kind of give us a rundown on what happened to Ronald Doe during this time. Roland was an only child and not very good at making friends. So he found kinship with the adults in his life, but none were any closer than his aunt, who we'll call Tilly. Tilly was a spiritual woman and introduced Roland to objects and concepts related to the occult, including Ouija boards, which they played with together. Aunt Tilly died at the age of 54. And it was shortly thereafter that Roland started exhibiting strange behaviors. According to one of the priests who later performed the exorcism, when it was asked if the spirit possessing Roland could knock three times if it was Aunt Tilly, three ominous knocks were heard by everyone in the room. Roland's family told the priests that ever since Aunt Tilly had died, objects near Roland would levitate and often violently fly across the room and break. It got so bad that Roland had to be removed from school as his desk would shake so badly it disturbed everyone around him. After things became too much for Roland's family to maintain, spiritual help was called in. When a priest first met with Roland, he suddenly burst out screaming, O sacerdos Christi, Suchis me esse diabolum. This translates to, O priest of Christ, you know that I am the devil. And as far as anyone knew, the 13-year-old boy spoke no Latin whatsoever. While it is possible he picked up on some Latin from attending church for most of his life, his family believed the devil was truly speaking through him. <laughs> Down at the bottom of the show notes, uh, the section is called From Demon uh, Demon Possessed to Blank. I found a link. Uh, that's a, they've got transcripts of the original diary that Blady, uh, or Blatty, William Blatty, the author, ended up coming across. And I, uh, some of this, the happenings in the book were, uh, or excuse, yeah, were based off of the, that diary. Hmm. But again, an excerpt here, uh, the father is listing out different things. There was branding, spitting and violence, 
singing, humming, uh, humming the Ave Maria, filthy talk, writing on his oh. own body with the fingernail, uh, writing the words hell and Christ in large capital letters. Oh. And. Pretty gnarly stuff. Yeah. Uh, at one point, there was filthy talk and movements and filthy attacks on those at the bedside concerning masturbation and contraceptives. Sexual relations of priests and nuns. <laughs> so he's just sitting there going, Jerk me off! Jerk me off! <laughs> fuck me! Fuck me! Fuck me! <laughs> fuck me! Fuck me! I almost... <laughs> for the show art, I, uh... I almost put as the tagline, In space, no one can hear your mother sucking cock in hell. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> but I was like, no, I, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but if Which, your band goes on tour, that should be the name of the tour. Yes. <laughs> the nobody can hear you in space while your mom's sucking a cocky, filthy whore tour or whatever you just said. Well, it's uh, in space. <laughs> in space, no one can hear your mother sucking cock in hell. Uh, okay. Which, sucking which, cock in hell. Okay. Which, uh,. <laughs> Or, I guess, okay, how about this one for more appropriate? Uh, oh, shit, what was it? I lost it. Anyways, the uh, <laughs> it was right there. The true story that inspired The Exorcist. This is part two. This details the actual exorcisms that uh, Roland went through. An attempt was made to exorcise a demon from Roland's body twice over a period of several months. The first attempt allegedly ended in minor bloodshed. Initially, Roland was brought to the home of his local pastor, and it was there that the boy was tied by his arms and legs to a bed, much like Reagan McNeil is in The Exorcist. In the middle of the stress and chaos of the rite, Roland managed to reach beneath the mattress and tear a metal spring from underneath it, which he then used to slash the pastor's arm. The gash was deep enough that it needed several stitches, and the exorcism was temporarily put on hold while the priests regrouped. While there's no physical evidence of this occurring, many people believe it did happen, and it managed to make enough of an impression on Blatty's imagination that he included it in his fictional interpretation of the events years later. From the very beginning, one of the more alarming aspects of Roland's alleged possession was the repeated occurrence of mysterious scratches spontaneously appearing on his body. As the story goes, one of these scratches formed actual words on his chest that read St. Louis. Roland's parents took this as a direct sign, and packed up the whole family on the first train over to St. Louis, Missouri. There, the desperate family met a reverend named William S. Bodern, and it was this man of God, a complete stranger to the family, who witnessed Roland's disturbing behavior for himself. The reverend ended up performing an intense marathon of between 20 and 30 rites of exorcism on the boy over the course of two months. It was during one of these sessions that even more words started appearing scratched into Roland's ravaged body, including the words hell and evil. It was after this that things turned violent, with Roland now violently resisting, convulsing, hissing in a disturbing voice, and even eventually breaking the nose of one of Bodern's assistants as they tried to restrain him. Despite all this, the struggle eventually paid off, and Roland was seemingly cured of whatever affliction was tormenting him. Whether it was the devil, the spirit of his occult-obsessed relative, or something else, Roland was back to normal and able to return to his life with his identity secured. Secured? How old was this guy? Uh, he was in his teens. He also kicked uh, he kicked one of the father's assistants in the nads. <laughs> Priest man's so, got nards. 
<laughs> Not anymore. Uh, if I'm just imagining being this kid, just being like, man, things suck. I'm going to just pretend to be possessed for like two weeks. And then he does all this shit. He gets, he carves shit into him. He does all this stuff. He gets to punch people, kick people. They do all these exorcisms and they mess with them. And he's like, this sucks. And so he punches him back. And then one day he's like, all right, enough is enough. Oh, I'm better. Praise be Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. The devil has left me. Oh, my goodness. Well, your your sentiment certainly lines up with a handful of people that have been investigating this story. Uh, One of the articles or links I found, the exorcism of Ronald Hunkler. Uh, Let's see here. So they talk about uh, his aunt Tilly dying at uh, uh, before after sorry after she had introduced Roland to the Ouija board right but after that seems to be when he started uh, acting up there was uh, childhood friends of his that were giving uh, first hand accounts of experiences that they had with young Roland uh, or Ronald sorry Ronald um, one of them involved this really mean dog that he had the dog loved Ronald but he hated everybody else and like Ronald would trap these people, kids, his friends, in like a like a screen. Wait, is his name is his name Ronald now? Uh, or is it, it Roland? It's Ronald. It's the the clip is fucking me up because they kept calling him Roland. It sounds like it, it, it did sound like he called him Roland, but his name is Ronald. Yes, this story has so many plot twists. I'm Please sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. It's Ronald. No, no, no. It's okay. Um. So actually I have a I have an account here one of his contemporaries uh said no I don't ever think he was possessed I think it was psychological as far as any real possession or anything like that I don't think so there's some interesting psychological aspects to it there were german lutherans and he was an only child they were german lutherans and they he was an only oh, child God. <laughs> and I think the grandmother is actually the central figure she played a very influential role in all of this. You had this old world religion superstition and the mother got caught up in it and the father just kind of stayed in the background. I think he could see what was going on and uh, which is why he was never mentioned. The true story is much more intriguing from a psychological point of view. The basis of the real thing could be a damn good story. No doubt in my mind. Uh, the rest of it, uh, the rest of it, I can run a parallel. You had these two mischief makers had a strong tendency to take advantage of people who were weaker than themselves, and they were a pair of connivers, and they had to, uh, and they had their act down. In pairs like that, they compete with each other, and they don't get along well, and they have to keep doing something to retain their relationship. And all this time, this is mischief in one form or another. They're trying to outdo each other. So I guess he was talking about the the grandmother there, or excuse me, the aunt. Do you know how? You know brutal Luther German Lutheranism is? I'm not sure. You know what Lutheranism is like Protestantism, like the most like fundamental mo- Protestantism of like the reaction of like they saw the Catholic big cathedrals and all that shit and they were like, This is all sin. We're gonna go dig a hole and worship in that and we're gonna eat dirt and we're gonna just like that's that's what Luther I mean, really it's it's about taking the, the text of the Bible very literally and it has to do with the fact that the Bible was translated from Latin into various other languages that made it German, primarily that made it... Uh, anyway, the, the point being that it, there, it's a miserable, miserable uh, 
very strict, extremely strict upbringing that is completely, it's nothing but religion. Everything you do uh, from the second you get up to the second you go to bed and everything in between you do <laughs> to prove that you're worthy of going to heaven. <laughs> I don't, think I've, uh, I don't think I've ever been to a Lutheran church or known any uh, staunch Lutherans. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Is, is, is it superstitious? Especially. Superstitious? Yeah. Uh, they have, well, yeah, you could call like some of the stuff that they do superstitions, but the, the whole thing about what they do is they just, they're all about the Bible. If, if, it, if the Bible doesn't say it, then it doesn't exist. And so everything that has to do with the Bible they, they go with. But all the extra shit, the Pope, that's not in the Bible. There's no Pope in the Bible. You know, it's just like that whole thing. So there are a lot of superstitions, but it's it's all about simple living and discipline mm. and work. Idle hands are the devil's plaything. That's that's all Lutheranism, baby. The um so the reason this came across my plate, uh there was Actually, a, a rather lengthy expose and a, a podcast released by J.D. Sword that details his uncovering of the, uh, the, the real name behind Ronald Doe, which is uh, Ronald Hunkler. <clears throat> and this, uh, this first clip here is just going to kind of detail how he was able to piece the pieces of information together. He's using stuff like uh, uh, yearbooks and whatnot and talking to some of the original uh, investigators, referencing back to articles that came out. Uh, one was in the 90s, one was in the 70s. I think there was another one in the 2000s. He was just kind of combining all this information. He's also a Satanist. Uh, he's a, mm. He starts to show off with a disclaimer saying that even though he's a part of the Church of Satan, he, his views do not reflect the views of the uh, Church of Satan. Hail science. <laughs> mm. Hail, Hail science. science. <laughs> mm. That would be a good uh, show opener if we did that. Hail science. Stay safe. <laughs> May the Luciferian light of reason guide you on your way. Oh, thank you. No problem. Uh, so this is uh, J.D. Sword and his Devil in the Details podcast, clip one. I obtained Ancestry.com information from Ronald Hunkler, which revealed <laughs> his parents to have been Edwin Hunkler and Odell Cobbage. This matched the description from Father Bishop's diary of Roland Doe, son of Mr. and Mrs. Edwin Doe, middle-class Washington suburban development. Furthermore, Edwin Hunkler had a sister, Matilda Hendricks, who would be Aunt Tilly. Ronald's favorite aunt who introduced him to Ouija boards and spiritualism. Finally, Ancestry.com confirmed that Ronald Hunkler was indeed born June 1st, 1935, and died last year, May 10th, 2020, confirming the birth date that was given in the Fate magazine article and Father Bishop's diary. Finally, the last two pieces of evidence, which are perhaps the most compelling of all, come from Mark Obsesnik himself and Father Bishop. When I asked Obsesnik if he felt comfortable confirming whether his investigation had uncovered that Ronald Hunkler was in fact Roland Doe, since Ronald had since by then died, he replied, The haunted boy is Ronald Hunkler. That's a fact. The last piece of evidence was a cover letter Father Bishop submitted along with his diary account of the exorcism, which was given to the rector of the Alexian Brothers Hospital. 
Although Father Bishop was careful to conceal the identity of Ronald Hunkler in the diary itself, in the letter he refers to both, quote, the Hunkler family and Ronald. I was only able to find a redacted scan of the letter online at biblicalcatholic.com. However, I did manage to find an unredacted transcript of the letter on campionforever.org, an online newsletter dedicated to the Campion Jesuit High School, which closed in 1975, and for which Father Bowdern was president and Father Halloran was a student. The transcript matches the redacted letter word for word, with the exception of the redacted material. In this case, the transcript included references to both the Hunkler family and Ronald. I should also note that the Jesuits showed up very, uh, very many times throughout this whole story. Uh, William Blotty, the author, was studying to become a Jesuit priest. Mm -hmm. Um, Ronald was put into the care of Jesuits there for a little bit. Uh, I had a really good kick-ass quote. It was about Duke University, too. Shit. Where'd it go? (laughs) It's funny. I w- I've been reading. Uh, I've been really packing out a book called "The Black Pope." Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> Not the book, but uh, I think I know the concept. The concept. The the Black Pope is the is the Pope of the Jesuits. Yeah, the Hidden Hand Pope. Exactly. And I heard about this book, and uh, I think I need to find a different copy. Maybe there's a, the translation's wrong, or the print is wrong. I don't know, but. It's the first opening line of the book is so funny. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's like the Jesuits are the single most destructive organization to ever afflict Western civilization ever or something. That's like the first thing (laughs) it says. (laughs) Nice. It's like, let me tell you the black Pope is. And then it goes in from there. Uh, very, very funny stuff. Yeah, the, that that's very popular in the in the conspiracy world. Of course, the Jesuits are uh, known as the the Black Hand, the the puppet masters. The Pope works for the Jesuits. They're the ones with the VCRs of gold. Really, <laughs> brings a whole new meaning. The JVS. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice one. Good one. Surely you're curious on whatever happened to Ronald Hunkler. Yeah. Whatever happened to Ronald Hunkler. I suppose it was true that Ronald did turn out fine, at least in the sense that he went on to work for NASA. Ronald Hunkler co-authored the tech brief, Poor Ceramic Cures at Moderate Temperatures, Is Good Heat Insulator?, an article from Goddard News dated July 27, 1964, shows Ronald mixing and pouring the ceramic compound referenced in the aforementioned tech brief. This mother, uh, this motherfucker helped put people on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Quote unquote, <laughs> put people on the moon. Legend has it. <laughs> in Minecraft, on the moon. Yeah, it was a well, uh, it was a, a porous go. ceramic cure. So I guess it was like a uh, like a ceramic foam that they covered parts of the space shuttle in to help protect it from uh, extreme temperatures, like uh, three thousand degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. And I'm sure a little insulation from all the radiation from the Van Allen belt. No doubt. Right? <laughs> no doubt. There's yeah. actually a, uh, a recipe for it. I'm not going to go through. All of these, because I'm just going to butcher the names. But uh, if you want to make some of uh, 
Linda Blair, I mean, Ronald, uh, Ronald Hunkler's ceramic paste. Knock yourself out now. Hmm. <laughs> I love it when, it when everything ties together, you know? <laughs> Hail science. Yeah, I'm so uh, glad that science has creatures like him crawling about, insulating our rockets. And of course, the the first thing that I start thinking of is JPL and uh, God, I can't remember his fucking name. It's bugging the shit out of me. Uh, he helped found Jet Propulsion Laboratories. Uh, yeah, I don't know. God, and he was some weird uh, Satanist dude. Oh, not weird. He was kind of he was interesting. He he was running around Los Angeles with L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, oh, he's in that crowd. Yeah, JPL. I'm sure there's someone on the other side of this uh, listening going, what the fuck? What is wrong you with you? dumb bastard, it's John P. Uh, either way. Yeah, yeah. they uh, ended up like owning this house and they were doing this crazy, uh, crazy magic called the Babylon Workings. They were students of Crowley. Oh, God, we have to do an episode on Elrond. We have to do an episode on Elrond Hubbard one day. Jack Parsons. Thank you, Servo. Thank you. Jack Parsons is his name. Oh, Jack Parsons. Yeah, he Servo. Was a, he was a... Uh, Servo, you're a fucking awesome. Love that guy. Anyway, please continue. Um, but yeah, they uh, they essentially they ended up doing this uh, big ritual to help put people into space. And um, a lot of uh, like mm. science fiction writers at the time, too, were kind of like swimming around the same areas. Of course, L. Ron Hubbard being famous, uh, being a quasi-famous uh, science fiction author at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's another little tick in the Satan goes to the moon box. Yeah. Another Satanist involved with NASA. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with the Jack Parsons, I'm so excited to do that episode. There's so much weird shit that goes on. He well, ends up... We definitely got looking at this guy. He sounds familiar, but... Uh... I'm not too familiar with this guy. He uh, he had developed some sort of propulsion uh, propulsion technology that utilized a, a, a pentagon pentagram inside of it, uh, hmm. and it made it a superior device. It's a very oh, cool it seems, stuff. Uh, Sir Seatsitter knows uh, something about him. Maybe we yeah we'll chat about it or something. Nice. More to look into. No doubt. And to tie him maybe into the L. Ron Hubbard episode as well. Because that guy is fucking nuts. <laughs> that was uh that was gonna be me and Monty's first episode was a uh, uh or first official deep dive was gonna be That's on right. Scientology. Uh it's such low hanging fruit, it's so beautiful. I was even gonna go to the church and like try and get a free test. <laughs> oh I drove by it in Burbank, one of their uh buildings. It Great. was awesome. Yeah, there's a big church over in St. Paul, big one downtown. The ones in Los Angeles are pretty spooky. Pretty, pretty, pretty spooky. They're like giant, beautiful, blue megachurches with sacred geometry and all kinds of stuff involved. Yes. Uh, I'm looking for some sacred voicemails, but we haven't had any other ones come through for tonight. Oh, well, if you want to maybe have your voicemail or scream or whatnot played on the air, you may call us at 612 Two six three seven nine nine nine, and you can say whatever you like, and you can chip in on uh, what we've talked about so far tonight, or you can just bring up a whole new thing. It's 
up to you. I love it. Yes, six one two two six three sexy s x x y. Why? Why? Why indeed? Why? Why indeed? Oh, there you are. I was looking for my tape. Uh, I made this week's intermission. Okay. Nice. Do you have anything to say about it? I do. If you like this first song, I'm going to need you to go over to ableandthewolf.com and bu- uh, boost those beautiful sons of bitches. Because it's making beans. We're making beans, brah. Beans. Bees? When you're busy making beans Cause upstairs I'm busy making beans And I'm still preoccupied Do you know what I mean? And all these people come to see Let's stir the pot some more It's a better way to be Stir You got a minute? I wanted to ask you about some of these jokes for tonight. What's wrong with the jokes, Carmen? Ah, uh, well, Fozzie, I know you said you wanted to modernize your material, but some of these just don't sit right with me. 
like this one here. I hate my wife and her loveless marriage? What's wrong with that? Maybe I just don't get it, but what's the joke? It's just kind of depressing. It's relatable! Oh, got me there. Alright, well, how about this next one? America, more like terrible place to live. Well, sorry, it's commentary. My humor is informative! Oh, well, okay. But this last one is really the one that stands out here. Bring up 9-11. What's so confusing about that? Ah, uh, well, that's just it. There's no joke. It just, it just says, bring up 9-11. You're just bringing up a horrible tragedy. What's... where's the punchline? I line? guess you can say that joke will crash and burn! <laughs> You're a horrible person, Fuzzy. Republicans either, so what now? What do we do? If you should die before you wake... <laughs> Can't sleep. Clown will eat me. Can't sleep. Clown will eat me. Hope you guys are ready for board game night. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I, uh, I brought gotcha, because you know what you always say. Gotcha will get you. I've said that before. You don't sound that excited. Are we uh, going to engage in a game of gotcha? Yeah, you told me to come over to play this. It, uh, that allegation is false. You specifically told me to come to your state so we could play gotcha. And everybody going to my state and spending more time trying to play gotcha. I, I thought we had arranged to have a, a board game. This is not an arrangement or an understanding. This is a marriage. What? Uh, gotcha isn't a b- bad game or anything, uh, yeah, right? Of course it's not. And let's take it from your point of view. All right, then let's play so we can make this awkward situation go away. If... That won't make it go away. All right, you know what? You guys 
I'm leaving. We can play by yourselves. Oh, good. Now we can play gotcha. Don't patronize me. No, I am not going to do what you're telling me. My name, I am writing music. I'm going to be a successful musician, and I'm going to say fuck all you people. If that's any indication of just how exhausted I am, not only did I forget to include the We Now Return to Behind the Schemes segment there, I had to go find that clip on the fly with 20 seconds left remaining on intermission. And in all of the hullabaloo, I forgot to unmute. It was seamless. (laughs) Uh, Hey, it was just about seamless. You know, we could have played it off. I think it was good. That was great. You did a great job. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. Oh lordy! You know, I uh, it's live theater. It is live theater, and uh, nothing quite gets me going more than live theater. Or what gets me going more than live theater is some producers that have all came through this week. But before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody: listen to Behind the Schemes with Booberry, 
Sir Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And my name is Lavish. It is currently February 7th, 2022. And it is episode 83. That's right, 83. Up in your B. Uh, <laughs> behind the schemes. In space, nobody can hear episode 83. <laughs> you yeah. know what? That's not true. In space, oh, yeah. you can hear behind the schemes. You can hear it all over the world and in space. No doubt. <laughs> We're the 108th top podcast in the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't come cheap, by the way. <laughs> no. They uh, they like the good stuff over there. Very cool. Very exciting. Thank you. Uh, thank you for catching me there all over the place tonight. Oh, and that's all good. And, and we are a value for value production, which means that we have producers who produce the show. Uh, and come in uh, with all kinds of things, clips, uh, images, uh, articles, financial contributions. And uh, we take that very seriously here. And we'd like to thank everybody who came in and was a producer for episode 83. Uh, first, we've we already uh, shouted out bags. Thank you for sending those Dan Pina clips. We really appreciate it. He's got a yeah, red- good ones. Uh, he's got a red bubble going of all of his, or he's got some of the designs, some of the art that he's been doing for various shows posted up there. Um, mm-hmm. I just ordered my first, uh, first article of clothing from them. I'm going to be Ooh. gifting Dame DeLorean of bowl after bowl with a, with an official BTS t-shirt. Hey, nice. Stoked. <laughs> She'll get one before we do. I like I, it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we got to get a bunch and give them away. No doubt. But that sounds awesome. Uh, that's a great gift. Yes. We, uh, I'm, I'm so incredibly excited to give it to her in person. I just mm-hmm. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Give me phone. Uh, let's see here. Double thought is through or is, uh, is back again for yet. Another donation of $3.33. That's right. Double Thought, who hosts Double Thought Dimension podcast, which you can find at doublethoughtdimension.com. He hosts it with his wife, Tony, and uh, it is a, a dynamic show. You should tune in and check it out. Yeah, and subscribe to their newsletter. They got one floating around on their website. Uh, in this recent one, they were discussing it. A trip that they had made to Arizona, and I will officially go on the record and say that I enjoy the shit out of Arizona. Um, if you want desert, that is the place to go. And goddamn, there's some beautiful parts of the desert in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Arizona is quite lovely. There's a lot of, uh, if you're looking for a beautiful desert, then yeah, Arizona's cool. Hotter than a motherfucker during the summer, but, uh, yeah. Man, if there was oh, yeah. a if there was a way that I could snowbird up to Minnesota and stay in Arizona during the winter, mm-mm-mm. Ooh, that would be, that'd be tricky of you. Yeah, I, I meant to say snowbird out of Minnesota. Ooh. Boost, boost. feel good. Cotton gin using fountain for a row of ducks at 2,222. That gets one of these. Someone, oh, duck suit, baby! I should have hit that for Oma earlier too. My apologies, bro. Oh, don't think it better about uh, getting those ISOs. Hit it one more time. Oh, you want me to hit one more time? 
You want me to hit one more hit time? It, hit it for Oma. Mm-mm-mm. Duck soup. Uh, while we're on some boosts, let's uh, let's thank the other boosters that came through. I was sending myself a bunch trying to test uh, sound effects. Let's see, thirty-three sets from C Dub saying "Go Go Power Rangers." Go Power Rangers. Lucky do, 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 do. Thank you, C Dubs. Lucky for you, C Dubs. I love the Power Rangers. I can't get enough of that shit. <laughs> C Dubs seems like a Red Ranger. He seems like a team leader. Seems like a dynamic uh, individual. Thank you, C Dubs. C Dubs forms the head. <laughs> <laughs> C Dubs, it's Mighty Morphin time. Uh oh, we have a new booster here using the Breeze app for three thousand three hundred and sixty-nine sats. It's Mister Sir John Fletcher of the Hog Story Podcast, and. Ooh. Fletcher screams boost. Thank you, Fletcher. And that scream will forever echo into the void for the (laughs) eternal duration of all eternal eternity. Thank you, Sir John. Sir John Fletcher of The Hog Story, which he hosts every Monday's night and Thursday night uh, with Carolyn Blaney. The Hog Story. They too are on the boost train. All aboard for oh, some yeah. boost chain. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, they are now compliant. <laughs> you will obey. <laughs> you will comply to podcasting 2.0. Yeah, yeah, that's gorgeous. So, oh, good night, Billy Buns. Good night to everybody who has uh, tuned in. We're one of these late night shows, and people tune in live all the time. You can tune in live in the chat room at uh, irc.zeronode.net, or you can go to our website. And uh, we'll get you a link there that you can come in easy. Mm. And uh, you can wish us good night. And we'll, we love that. We love it when people say good night to us, you know? It's a good time. Yeah. It's a good time, no doubt. Uh, there was lo- one last person to thank. Uh, we brought them up we, again, or we brought them up earlier in the show. Uh, this is from MK. And I just wanted to say thank you again no. for all of these amazing fucking jingles. Oh, really good. Really good. I'm I'm almost tempted to like play the we should should we should we play the the voicemail one again? I think so. I think we should. I think I think it has to happen. I think we have to. Oh, God, it's good. So good. We don't deserve these freaks, man. This is is the kind of quality, man, that you can only expect from a value for value production. And that is that is some value right there. That is hot. That is hot value. That's got me feeling all kinds of ways. So thank you so much. Oh, my God. Yes. And stick around for uh, for two. It's two separate tracks, but I'm going to play them 
back to back because they're on the shorter side. But uh, stick around after the closer song. You can check out what else they send into us, and <laughs> it does not disappoint. <laughs> Let me tell you what, son. Man. <laughs> hot tracks, hot tracks coming into you. Top 10. MK Man. Ultra Bangers. Cool. MK Ultra Cool. That's all I got to say. Ooh, thank you. Thank you, MK. Yeah. Uh, you are appreciated. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, is there anyone else uh, on the list? I think uh, I think that was everybody. Everyone donated lavishly. Oh, God Ooh. bless all this money. There, that's how you make the money. That is how you make the money. That's where you make the money. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex Jones. Did I get you? Did I get you? Oh, yeah. Ha, gotcha. Uh, anyway, should I uh, should I talk about what's been going on over here? Goddamn, let's do it. First of all, I have another boots on the ground report. Oh, oh, wait, oh, yeah, oh yeah, some cool repeating numbers. Twenty-three, twenty-three from Servo. Servo, Servo. I just opened a two hundred fifty k channel with Servo. That's the third channel. No, the second channel that I've opened on the uh, the Raspy Blitz. Mm. It's exciting Damn. times, man. Yeah, we have a, uh, as you know, a bust of Servo. He's one of the maybe the you know he's he's in the elite of the of the green room uh, as far as uh, producers. You know, we have a bust of him in the in the green room. It's made of styrofoam. It's like one of those like like styrofoam things that you put wigs on. And we wrote Servo on it with a Sharpie. <laughs> right across the eyes. <laughs> right across his eyes. <laughs> That's what you get for hanging proudly. That's what you get for falling asleep in the front lounge of the bus. You get the you get the Sharpie treatment. <laughs> That's right. We're not just shoes off, we're socks off too. So mm, no doubt. just be warned. Just be warned. Uh yeah, thank you, Servo. Thank you for the boost. Uh, and Servo, yeah, job, Servo. Servo helps maintain Gal, which is the hottest spot on the interwebs. Uh, she'll draw tarot cards. We'll die for you. Uh, he's working on uh, getting Gal to read out the boostograms, so they'll be showing up in the green room chat. It's very exciting. We're so eternally grateful. Uh, thank you again to Cotton Gin for giving us the CD changer, changer feature for Gal. C-dubs, Nodebit, uh, just this army of guys that really understand the mechanics of what's happening. It's it's kind of a godsend, in my humble opinion. It's very cool. And uh, it's what Tom Green was talking about in our opening clip, I think. You know, it's the, it's the formation of this. It's, mm-hmm. it's cool. It's fun. There's only one way it's going to go, baby. Forward. Um, anyway... Regardless of that, you can definitely hop on. God, there's so many fun. Yeah, you got to get the po- podcasting 2.0. It's a, it's a project that I'm getting involved with, too. And trust me, it's not my forte. But I'm trying to trying to give a shot, see what's going on. Mm. It's nice to have a lot of people around to help out. Uh, but anyway, we're getting into what's going on. So I got a boots on the ground report from the bereft coast. I went out today. To find propane. Oh. Uh, I'm not a big uh, propane guy. I usually grill on charcoal. It's usually my bag. And there's plenty of charcoal. Uh, charcoal is not a problem. 
But I went out to go get a, a propane little tank, not even a five, five gallon. I was just looking for a 16.4, a little, a little whatever. And um, I went out and I went to Strickland Propane. I'm just kidding. I love this. <laughs> Uh, but I did, I went down to Strickland propane and I went to Hank Hill and I was like, could I get some propane? And they were like, we're out. I was like, what do you mean you're out? And they're like, we don't have any, um, we, they were short on it. There was no supply before. And now there's a trucking issue or there's a supply issue. So now it's just sitting in the warehouse and we can't get it. And this has been going on since before Christmas. And, uh, we're, we're kind of just out. But if you go across the street, uh, you know, we think there's this gas station over there that, that might have some. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I go across the street to this gas station. And um, and I ask for them for the propane. And the guy goes, okay. He takes me outside. He takes me to the cage. And he starts pulling up this full cage. He starts pulling out all these empties. The cage is full of empties. He's pulling out all these empties and he's pulling out all these empties and he finds one that's like, it wasn't even full, full. I know, I know the weight of a full propane tank and this thing wasn't full, but he gives it to me and I'm like, whatever. And he goes, this is the last one we got. Oh man. (laughs) This is the last one we got. And I said, Oh shit. Okay. And I, uh, I took it and, you know, I got it now. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they do it. Maybe I'm just being an asshole. Maybe I'm just being paranoid. It seemed a little light, uh, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been weird around here. I, that's the first time I've experienced something like that. Um, uh, I don't know. Since just, the since December, beginning of December, middle. Did he say when uh, specifically? Said sometime before Christmas. That's what she said. She gotcha. said that, that they've been calling every week and they've been trying to get it in. And ugh. so it was at that moment I really was thankful that I'm a charcoal and fireman. Uh, but no, nah, gas is unreasonable. Gas is like five bucks a gallon and everything's super excited. I went to the store yesterday and I got some ribs and some chicken and like, I don't know. Uh, some odds and ends, and it was a hundred bucks. <laughs> and Jesus. I was blown away. It, it, it was for a birthday. I had no choice. I had to, to bring something. But things are getting pretty rough around here, I think. Things are getting a little uh, odd. But at the same time, there's a lot of pullback on on the like the mandates. Or not. I don't know. They haven't really done anything. They're quietly pulling things back. Whenever they they do something like mandatey. They, they publicize the hell out of it. And then as soon as they like pull back they don't tell anybody <laughs> and you go to the restaurant and they're like, Oh, you don't have to do that anymore. I'm like, I don't since when? Oh, since last week, they just did this thing. Da da da. It was a County ordinance or whatever. It was like, what, when? Oh, okay. Okay. We're not doing that. And then a couple of weeks later, Oh no, you know, Omicron, you know, we got to do it again. The county ordinance. And then when they do that, then they, oh, yeah, Omicron, shutting it down, shut it down, shut it down. Cases, cases, cases. Case, cases, cases, cases. Yeah. Ugh, so strange over here. But at the same time, you just, there's such a grassroots, um, you know, pushback, I think, to it. You know what I mean? There's, 
something about it. And the weather here is is stupid, stupid. This is the warmest winter we've ever had. This all of the Northrop and uh, all of the the Raytheon guys and all all the Lockheed guys they must live around here because they turned off the cold <laughs> weather and they just like you. It's like sixty degrees right now outside. God. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, usually I'm not jealous about weather, but today I was jealous about the, uh, the warm weather. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's never, it's never been like this. It's, it's like, it's very bizarre. Tell it's him, awesome, I guess, but it's like, Jesus, <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Tell him to point that heart machine at us. I know everybody else in the world is like, fuck you fucking point that shit at us, bro. Like, sorry. Hey, we're in a drought too. We don't have any water. And I have to live with a bunch of masked psychos, so I guess that's the payoff. But Jesus, Ugh. weird, weird shit. I, I should just never talk about the weather ever again, huh? <laughs> you know, last time I checked, this is America. Yeah, I guess so. Fuck it. You, you do what you want, man. <laughs> you can yeah. literally do anything. <laughs> is it, I, I guess. So. Well, I guess. I guess so. World's your oyster, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, I'd love some oysters right now. Um, sorry, didn't mean to make everyone hungry. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? I was talking about a boots on the ground report from California. And how hard it was and to find propane. Did they charge you extra for the propane that you got? It was pretty fucking expensive. Uh, for a tank of propane, and mind you, this wasn't a swap, so I was getting an actual new tank. But for a tank of propane and a pack of smokes, it was like 90 bucks. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, I was looking at the little canisters that I was looking for. I'm trying to get it for this portable grill. And uh, these canisters are like 20, 25, you know, 26 bucks. And they should be like five bucks, <laughs> 10 mm. bucks, <laughs> you know? Right. It It's a, uh, it's a uh, pretty, it's pretty off the rails, man. Things are things are starting to get sticky, and we're starting to see some real some real world repercu- repercussions. Because you know you can say these things like supply chain issues and that, but those are just kind of vague, unfamiliar terms that we use to say you know there's no food and there's no propane and there's no like <laughs> gas and there's no you know <laughs> no hope. <laughs> there's just no hope. There's a bright tomorrow. There's sunshine. There's and there's the earth. Um, yeah. Sunny day. Temperatures in the sixty degrees, with zero percent chance of hope. Zero percent chance of hope. Ninety percent chance of humidity. Zero percent chance of hope. God. This is brought to you by Rob 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 Weather. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great time. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun uh, being from this fucking place. That's great. Um, anyway, other than that, other than the boots on the ground report, we have some, I mean, obviously it's, it's cold everywhere else. It's winter time, at least in the Northern hemisphere, it's, it's cold. And, uh, and there's a lot of wintry things going on all over the world, as I'm sure you're aware. Do you know of the wonderful, incredible skiing location that everybody is, is whipping to right now? Is it uh, somewhere in China by chance? Why 
You happen to be correct. Oh. You happen to be correct. We, uh... None other than the great city of China. <laughs> Where are you going, China? Uh, pretty cool city, man. <laughs> hey, man. It's been a classic skiing destination for generations. You know, you go to Switzerland, or you go to the Alps, or you go to uh, Tahoe, or you go wherever. And, and you go to Beijing. You go to Beijing, China, to go skiing. Um, the Winter Olympics have kicked off, and everybody is over in, in Beijing at the Bird's Nest, which is it might be familiar to you because we just fucking had an Olympics there in 2008, 2022. So <laughs> Lucky sons just, of bitches. How, how does fortune fall? Like how do you do him. it? <laughs> and this city in particular, did you know that Beijing is the only city to have ever hosted the Olympics, uh, both the Olympics? Oh. Both the Winter and Summer Olympics. That's, no, I did not know that. That's a fun fact. That's a fun fact, right? Yeah. And this, this is it. And they accomplished that feat in a period of less than two decades. Wow. Really in less than 15 years. Wow. Very cool of them to do that. Uh, and so I was thinking to myself, huh, that's funny. We're at the bird's nest and, uh, and we're in China in this great skiing location. Actually, I've got some images here. Uh, I've uh, pulled them up. They are in the show notes, of course. And if you go to the show notes at Zoso's Corner at the Substack, then you will find them. But... Uh, I believe that I've got some some nice pics here of the qualifying ski jump area in Beijing, which I'm posting in the chat right now. You can find it there. You will see uh, somebody making a gnarly sweet rip off of uh, one of these big uh, snow jumps. Mm, it's not. Uh, I was trying to open the links in the show notes, but the the imager is not loading for me. Is it not working for you? Oh, sh- shoot. It's working for me. Hmm. But my, well, my, maybe I can find another way to do it. Is my, it working for people in the chat? Yeah, that's a big question. I just, my internet's been shit all day, too. So, yeah. Uh, it's hard we'll, to say. We'll see. Either way, for anybody who's listening and can't actually see the images, this thing, they've built this big snow run, this big snow jump out in the middle of what looks like, uh, like a power plant that's like right next to a power plant. And it's in this really dirty industrial <laughs> section of Beijing. And um, there's no snow. It looks pretty warm out. And it's just, it's so surreal. They built this really big, fake snow run in the middle of, like, I don't know, what would be considered, like, St. Louis or something. I don't, I don't know. Just, but in the summertime. Wow. It's, very, it's oh my really God. weird. <laughs> Yeah, there's. Did you find these yeah, pictures? Servo and a Cotton Gin are reposting them. Holy shit! Oh, okay. Yeah, there's two huge smokestacks off in the distance, and like it uh, pairs well with this high high flying skier doing a jump. <laughs> yeah, Jesus! They got all these stacks <laughs> and these big buildings and all this shit. They have a they have a, a body of water right next to this run, which is not frozen. <laughs> It is just a flowing, lovely little body of water right next to this, this ski run. And it's in the middle of this really 
dirty and dirty. yeah, it's it's great. If you can find the images, they're they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, Beijing uh, here. Um, they they of course have like a bunch of issues. There's people are having issues with this, with the fact that it's it's bizarre that Beijing is hosting the Olympics so soon. Um, you know, in conjunction the summer and the winter. And uh, especially given everything that China, you know, is kind of in trouble for right now. Um, there is, of course, the COVID situation, which is the big elephant in the room. There is uh, the terrible totalitarian government that does all kinds of the communist, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, which does all kinds of the Uyghur situation, the forced encampment, the sterilizations. I mean, they're, they're basically doing a purge, a genocide on a, a Turkic, you know, minority in their country, millions of people. Yeah. Um, and that's going on in this, on the side, the reeducation um, schools. You have, you have all kinds of internal, just psycho overbearing government, you know, controlling every aspect of people's lives, monitoring every aspect of people's lives, completely control, completely homogenous community. That's it's nothing but compliance, complacency or compliancy, not complacency. It is complacency and compliancy. Um, and then of course, you know, there's the also kind of underhidden thing about they fuck with us in all kinds of ways. They're fucking with us now and in, in a myriad, a beautiful myriad of ways. I mean, in, in a big way, they are our big rival right now. They, and also our big, they're our frenemy. You know, we need each other at this current point, but they are always trying to find ways, just like I'm sure we are. But I think they're honestly better at it. Um, and fucking with us in quiet little ways that we like can't really tell. You know, and not to mention they. They banished this amazing production from the airs. Goodbye, BTS. <laughs> that boy band got no future. There's no more pretty boys allowed on television. In China. The humanity, that's... that's <laughs> good. Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, Sorry. They, they love boy bands over there. They really do. Uh, it's their Jimmy's who going. doesn't, right? What's it? No, uh, everybody but the CCP, I guess, is into it. Yeah, and we, we I want to make that distinction. We're talking about the CCP and not like China as an entity or the people of China, the citizens. Although a lot of them are obviously with the program, but you know, we're talking about a very specific group of people, a political entity. Uh, yeah, that's about that. Uh, could you please play clip? Uh, Olympics one. Now to China, where the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics is underway in Beijing. These Olympics, as you know, are hugely controversial. Why? China has been widely criticized for human rights abuses, including the mistreatment of pro-democracy activists and ethnic minorities. The athletes, though, they are focused on their events, which started ahead of today's ceremony. Jamie Yukas is covering the Olympics in Beijing, where they can really say, let the games begin. Jamie, good morning. 
Good morning. The Chinese National Stadium, known as the Bird's Nest, which you can sort of see with those red lights right over my shoulder here, it is filled with athletes from all over the world, but is short on diplomats after the U.S., Australia, Canada, and the U.K. refused to send the usual diplomatic delegation in protest of China's human rights violations. Organizers of the opening ceremony hope to ignore the politics and broadcast to the world their vision and theme for the games, together for a shared future. For the Parade of Nations, a twist for Team USA. Teammates chose curling legend John Schuster and bobsledder Alana Myers-Taylor as flag bearers. But Brittany Bowe will walk for Myers-Taylor since she's still stuck in a Chinese isolation hotel after a positive COVID test. Are you so excited that you were named a flag bearer? I'm a first generation immigrant. um, And so to have all that history and to know what the American flag means to my family, like it is huge to be asked to carry it. Myers Taylor recently spoke out to critics who say she and other athletes should boycott the games over China's human rights record. In an op-ed for USA Today, she acknowledged those concerns, but wrote to go to Beijing and compete as an American, a woman, a person of color, and as a special needs parent says more than any boycott could. (laughs) <laughs> you know this reminds me of a, of a super brief uh interaction that i had with somebody uh that i that i worked with once upon a time and they were mm-hmm. getting they were a member or they are a member of the lgbtqia community mm-hmm. and they were getting they were getting excited for the chance to go to um i want to say it was saudi arabia if i'm not mistaken and i hope I'm, i don't end up racist here but aren't they the one that or the one country that really promotes stoning of uh, gay men and lesbians oh, yeah. and whatnot. Yep, 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 yep. And I just I remember this person bragging about the the chance that they or the the opportunity that they were having to go to Saudi Arabia. Yet you know, here you are a member of this community. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's like a, a tunnel vision. You got the blinders on, and just don't realize. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a way to like counter the fact that they are participating in something that is just so overtly like hosted by evil people that that just do everything opposite of what these people claim to stand for. Or or maybe they just don't actually mean what they say. Yeah. Uh, Or just so wrapped up in their own thing, they don't care. I mean, like. With athletes, you know that are that are at that level, they're so focused on what they're doing that they're 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 looking at the ground and they're not looking up and realizing, oh, you know, mm. I am participating in this thing that's hosted by these. I I don't know. It's a very bizarre disconnect, and you see it again and again. And it and the way that the news presents it, it's always juxtapositioned next to one another. They say something's happening, you know, at the Olympics, and there's all this criticisms and. You know, there's all these human rights violations. And then over here, we've got the first black, Asian, female, woman, uh, female athlete to ever blah, 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 or whatever. And it's like, okay. And then they, they switch back and forth between that. Oh, they've got people murdering over here. And then this lady. And there's all these bizarre stories coming out of out of the Olympics, like like the the. There was a figure skater who was born and raised in California, and for the Olympics, she renounced her U.S. citizenship and 
and uh, skated for China. Is she of Chinese descent? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And she, that'd be funny if she wasn't, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I need a clarification on that. <laughs> no, that's funny. I, I should have a picture of her. Uh, I thought I did have a picture of her somewhere. They mentioned her in this next clip, uh, but she's, she's, uh, she, I guess like fell and um, didn't perform very well on as disgraced China. And now she's getting the full brunt of like, Going over to China. I don't know. It's very, it's very weird. And they're, they're promoting it, of course. And she's like, they're promoting it like it's a puff piece, like it's a happy thing. Like, oh, she had the courage to like say, screw you, America. I'm going to go be who I really want to be. <laughs> she went into the lion's den. Finally, somebody that <laughs> left, actually left the country that said that they were going to leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Looking at you, Piers Morgan. Uh, so please play clip two of the Olympics. Beijing is the first city to host both summer and winter games, and each carried controversy surrounding human rights abuses. Chinese authorities have countered, saying governments should not bring politics into the Olympics. The fact is, is sports has been political from the beginning of time, and uh, every Olympics has had an element of politics um, in it. The games have already been underway for a couple of days now. This morning, U.S. medal hopeful Nathan Chen skated flawlessly. It was beautiful in his short program. Part of the team event is what took place there. And while the U.S. women's hockey team beat Finland in their opener, they lost a major player for the tournament. Forward Brianna Decker went down with a major painful injury to her lower leg. Nate? Damn. Yeah. Got wrecked. Skating injuries, man, they are no joke. Nah, dude, the thing's terrifying. This is the most terrifying sport of all time. You get sliced open, one fall, brain dead, dead. Just, oh, no, no way. Fuck that. Blood on the ice, man. Regardless, uh, we have... Uh, this these Olympics, man. Uh, it just it reminded me of something. It reminded me of another Olympics that is also very famous. That was hosted by a great power that was trying to industrialize and it was trying to put on a great face and it was trying to promote to the world that it also had joined the 21st century and um, or the 20th century. I'm sorry, not the 21st century, the 20th century. Um, and this country that hosted, they also had a a cluster of hostings like China has had now. They also hosted the games a bunch of times in a very short amount of time leading up to a very important event, which took place, which then canceled the Olympics, uh, for about four years. Do you know which Olympics I'm talking about? I am unaware. Uh, please play clip three of the Olympics. Sorry. 
What no one could have predicted was that these games would be used as a tool for some of the slickest propaganda by one of the most tyrannical regimes the world has ever seen. Mom, I want a Coke! <laughs> by the late 1930s and before Hitler came to power, the world was very willing to help try and embrace Germany once again. The idea was that the Olympics would bring people together. Propaganda for the Nazis was not just an instrument of governing, it was the air they breathed, it was the medium of governance. Damn. That's right. That's right. Sound familiar? Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sure yeah. does. Uh, I have uh, an image that I will again post in the chat. Thought I had that. Oh, I gotta have it. Uh, well, I took a picture. You can find it. It's just a screenshot of the actual Wikipedia of the all of the clusters of of Germany hosting the Olympics. Uh, from oh gosh, let me go find it real quick. They hosted in the they hosted 1936. They hosted both games. They hosted uh, one in uh, some really nice uh, alpine ski town in Bavaria, and then they had it in Berlin. And then they were slated to host it the the following Olympics in 1940, but that was canceled. And Japan was supposed to host the Winter Olympics. So you've got all the Germany, Japan, and then uh, in the mix is the United States, the Netherlands, France. But right leading up toward World War II, for some reason, Germany was hosting again and again and again. And the famous Berlin Olympics is is very well known and talked about today because of Jesse Owens and because of uh, it presents a very clean narrative for people to to hook on to that you know this great black athlete came away and blew blew Hitler away and was the star of the Olympics that he hosted you know. Was he a uh, was he a track racer? Yeah, that's right. Nice. Yeah. Um, so this, yeah, very well known. Uh, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. You know, sometimes history rhymes, and I just it, it, it's very rare that you have that clustering. You can look at the list, and one of the things that I've always liked about the Olympics is that they, I think, always had a really good job of not hosting, not having somebody host too many times. Uh, in a short span of time, they're really good at spreading it out all over the world. And, you know, the United States, yeah, they do in the list of all time cities, it's London, Paris, and LA. Uh, All three of those cities have hosted the Olympics three times. And that's over the course of like a hundred years, a hundred plus years. And Beijing is now hosted twice in less than 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh please play uh clip four olympics what no one could have predicted was that these games would be used as a tool for some of the slickest propaganda by one of the most tyrannical regimes the world has ever seen oh today you always try and skip forward some? By the early 1930s and before Hitler came to power, the world was very willing to help try and embrace Germany once again. Uh, the idea was I, I might have reclipped the clip. Bring people- it's, uh, this one's twice as long as the last one that we just did, so maybe it's just oh, included. It? Oh, yeah. maybe it's just included then. All right. I'll take it back just a little bit. 
Yes, it's coach. Once again, the idea was that the Olympics would bring people together. Propaganda for the Nazis was not just an instrument of governing. It was the air they breathed. It was the medium of governance. What happens is what's called an Olympic pause, in which Berlin is cleaned up. Anti-Jewish signs were removed. Everything was done to create the impression that this was a hospital climate. Such a policy was not necessarily that inimical to many of the visitors who shared the same prejudices as the Nazis. It would be the first time a host nation would project its political ideology and power onto the world. This stunning act of propaganda would be emulated by all subsequent Olympics. It was an operatic production, lavish in scale. (laughs) Did you get a little excited? Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) I had had to to clip it there, obviously. Is that in reference to the Uh, title of the clip, Quite the Scale? Quite the scale. <laughs> Lavish. <laughs> and I like the way he says it. He says it the right way. That uppity, crusty British way. Lavish and scale. One pinky high it. in the air. Way high. That nose is even higher than the pinky. Really good stuff. Uh, yeah. So, again, like they said in that clip, it set a standard. It, it built a model. And... Germany was hosting those Olympics with the intention of putting on the front that they were modern, that they were back in in action, that they were, you know, they, they had an industrialization that was really built on a nationalism, a fervent nationalism, that we're doing this for the greater good. That's very, very similar to the nationalism that we're seeing over in China. Um, and I just thought that was a very interesting little comparison to make. Has, to, have you seen so any there. reports, I guess, of uh, the same similar sort of cleaning up the public image outdoors in China? Has there been any yeah. reports? Oh, yeah. there's Yeah. I don't have any on hand, but th- yeah, they talk about them going in there and cleaning it up. And I've got a video, actually, <clears throat> that I put. Uh, there's a Dutch reporter who's reporting live on the street in front of the bird's nest and a Chinese officer comes and physically removes him, takes him away while they're in the middle of doing their report. Won't wait for him. The guy's talking to him in Mandarin and he's communicating with him and and there there's no, there's no language barrier. The guy just physically hauls him off. I mean, they got that whole place so tight. (laughs) If you aren't standing exactly where you're supposed to be, then they will take you away. And that's the, that's the whole vibe there. (laughs) And that's kind of, you know, seeing some comparisons here to, to that certain other group, which I know I hate to bring up those guys because they get brought up a lot, but I thought the Olympic uh, comparison was just too juicy to not, to not bring up. And China's been in the news lately, man. I mean, today I saw all this crap about this, the Wuhan whistleblower, uh, as they call him, uh, Lee Wenliang, who was a uh, he was a doctor in Wuhan, and I guess the story goes. I mean, the story is so fucking complicated. I can't keep up with with what this guy is. But they brought him up, and they said one year ago today this guy died, and he's a hero. He's an online hero. Uh, <laughs> I gotta hear. Could you please play Lee uh, Wenliang one? Uh, yes. 
In a matter of days, Dr. Li Wenliang went from treating patients to becoming one. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. But if action had been taken when he and others started sounding alarms, the severity of the outbreak might have been understood sooner. Struggling to communicate, Lee spoke with CNN briefly by phone. You can hear the hospital machines pulsing in the background. It was back in late December when Lee first warned friends on WeChat about a SARS-like disease going around. Lee sent a group message saying that a test result from a patient quarantined at the hospital where he worked showed a patient had a coronavirus. But hours after hitting send, Wuhan City health officials tracked Lee down, questioning where he got the information. Within days, they closed the suspected source of the virus, this seafood market, and they announced the outbreak. But instead of being praised, Lee got a call from Wuhan City police. With Lee coughing too much and breathing too poorly to speak by phone, we asked Lee by text, How did you feel when this happened? I felt a little afraid, afraid I would be detained, afraid my family would worry, Lee responded. He agreed to sign this document, admitting to spreading rumors online and severely disrupting social order. It reads, we want you to cooperate with the police and listen to our reminder and stop the illegal act. Can you do that? Lee answered, yes, I can. In the weeks that followed, the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission maintained that there was no obvious evidence for human-to-human transmission, no infection of healthcare workers, and that the outbreak was, in their words, preventable and controllable. And with that, the people of Wuhan continued about their normal lives. So this is the official story. And this is a CNN report from February 4th of 2020. So this is, or I'm trying to remember if it's February, it may have been March, but this is from 2020. At the very beginning, the offset of the pandemic. And I actually had a conversation with with an intelligent liberal today who recalled her recollection was that the virus came from the lab in Wuhan. And it was always the assertion that it had come from the lab in Wuhan. And I had to remind her, no, for the first like six months to a year, they said that it came from a bat at a wet market in Wuhan. Yeah, that bat happened soup. To be, yeah, bat soup. Actually, and in this clip, they said a seafood market. So I guess they got the bat at a seafood market. I don't know. They can't keep the story straight. Funny enough, uh, this is just a minor synchro. I did find a bat eating ISO. And he ate a lot of bats. <laughs> <laughs> the bats from the hell. The bats from the hell. Like a bats from the... <laughs> are, you, are they talking about Ozzy? <laughs> nah, meatloaf. It's <laughs> um, a whole funny bats gag. Bats from hell, out of hell, in hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was the whole thing. And they said that for like a whole year. They're like, yeah, and, and that was the one thing that that uh, w- w- what's his name, John Stewart, John Stewart, when he went on Colbert, and that was kind of like one of the the tides turning for liberals and accepting the fact this whole thing was fucking fishy. Yeah. Was him going on Colbert and being like, oh yeah, I came from a bat next door to the the Wuhan coronavirus uh, <laughs> laboratory. You know, one of the most one of the most prestigious and and well funded uh, coronavirus labs ever. Yeah, I don't know. The whole idea of like, yeah, it didn't come from this big coronavirus lab. It came from a bat. It still cracks and, me up that everybody that chose to uh, go with that route of believing that 
particular origin story also ended up with the most racist of the uh, options, I feel like. <laughs> it is kind of racist. It's like... <laughs> So instead of acknowledging that this thing might have been leaked from a lab, you're going to say that it's a bunch of dirty people eating in the mud eating bats. They got it. Like, cool. That's that's definitely uh, you know a more mature way to go about it. But and we've played clips before, and I love going back. And thankfully, all a lot of these clips are still on YouTube. You can go back and find these old reports and see all these guys saying all this absolute nonsense that was proven false immediately. It just didn't make any sense to begin with. The bat thing is the funniest one, but it's all kinds of shit that they said that ended up not you know, being a lie. And they just don't backtrack. They don't correct it. They don't do shit. Um, and with this guy, this guy is weird. This is a funny character. They make this guy to be like he's a big hero. He accidentally, the story is like he accidentally, oops, unleashed, you know, information that the coronavirus was killing people. And uh, he didn't mean to do it. But he did it. He just said, hey, there's something weird going on. And then the police came and, uh, you know, they just gave him a talking to, you know, that's it. And then, of mm-hmm. course, he contracted the virus and died right away. <gasps> wow. I just think it was amazing of the Communist Party of China to allow him to have a cell phone in a hospital while he's on his deathbed that had the ability to call out. So who was the report from CNN? Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. yeah that's a that's that's a really um just a gratuitous display of good samaritan good good samaritan work you know yes and i know you can't see these images but these i'm right now posting the only images that you can find of this man uh on the internet there's only two there's one of him in his uh schmocks wearing a mask so you can't even see most of his face and then the other image is of, is of him in his deathbed with the ventilators and shit up his nose and uh they kind of don't look like the same person to me but <laughs> was his last words i wish i was vaccinated yeah exactly <laughs> gosh i wish i was vaccinated so this whole thing just stinks of fake and this is a very like this is just easily fakeable you, you you set up this stupid. They make up the little fake hospital noises, and they got the guy coughing. And <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. Who knows who that is? Could be an actor. None of this makes any sense. But what we do know is that this guy apparently uh, was this, was this great hero, and then died right away of coronavirus. Oh, so sad. Just a very bizarre. It just seems to. It smells like a a way that China could release the information to the public in a way that they could control. Because they're not going to actually let people like talk about anything. So they have, when things actually do leak out, they have to put up the front. It has to be their actor that released the information or whatever. So they make up a story about this guy. We don't know. We have no way of knowing. But CNN still harps on this guy. Could you please play uh, uh, Lee too? Then came a sudden jump in infections. China's central government took over, scrambling to contain a spreading virus with a rising death toll. Chinese state media first reported that Li was one of several whistleblowers silenced by police. Calls for Li and the others to be vindicated grew online. China's Supreme Court even weighed in, 
adding, quote, it might have been a fortunate thing if the public had listened to this rumor at the time. But for many, including Lee and his parents, it was too late. They all contracted the coronavirus. Lee is now fighting for his life, alone in quarantine, but online, considered a hero. Tens of thousands praising his attempts to sound the alarm Tens of ahead thousands. of what's become a global health emergency. After the Chinese Supreme Court made those comments in support of Lee and the other whistleblowers, we did hear from Wuhan police. They released a statement essentially saying, look, the whistleblowers weren't fined and they weren't detained. They were simply questioned and let go. Now, we did also reach out, CNN did, to Wuhan police as well as the local health commission. Allison, they declined to comment. Tens of thousands of people who are, who are over 18 years of age and single people, one at a time coming. Is it you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands of people are hailing this guy as a hero. State oh sanctions. State sanctioned. Uh, sh- oh, my God. State sanctioned fans. Yeah. I like how tens of thousands is like a big, oh my God. But if tens of thousands of truckers go to Ottawa, it's, no, that's nothing. Whatever. Who cares? Well, shit. If Lee was on TikTok, he'd have upwards of 2 million. Oh, yeah? Does he have a TikTok? Well, I'm, I'm saying hypothetically, like if you, if you really Probably. wanted to go for the, like the most coverage, like beam mm. into the most amount of eyes, it would be to TikTok. Yeah. Again, it is a Chinese company, so they definitely would. We probably have a, a Lee like filter. We could like because uh, they deep faked him in the first place. Oh, that's I true. That's true. I, I feel sad because I just feel like this guy was just another black bagged poor bastard in China who just fucking got rocked. Mm. No doubt. See, you we know. we can be Lee right now. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. So we got a little origin story story for you about the about the beginnings of the coronavirus. We're on TikTok. What? I don't know. <laughs> I was trying. What's to, going I on? I was trying to make a joke. I found a uh, <laughs> hospital ambient sounds. <laughs> All right, we have to do that again, and we go. We should just do that for like twenty minutes. Just make noises and shit. You, Next time, we we could we could finish the show. Yes, every every show gets a sound bed, and ours is going to be the hospital. I just I like going. We just go from talking about something into just like some ethereal, like crazy weird shit. I like it. I, I thought I was doing drugs for a second there. That was awesome. <laughs> that was great. That was so okay. Anyway. Uh, that's all I have to I say. I mean, was, this guy is—I don't know. I thought it was up. interesting that they made it a point that his whole family got COVID too. Oh yeah, all of his family. Oh yeah, yep. and all of his friends too. All of they his all friends. Got COVID. All of his friends and family got deep faked. How the hell does CNN know this? What they got a guy in China? How the fuck do they know all this? Like, and they know it the next day, and it just—it's just too clean. It's too neat. And it's also has way it has way too many holes in it, and there's no images, there's no there's no proof of this guy, there's nothing. But they just continue to like prop this guy up as, like, as some kind of hero, and then continue to just like this 
the first Asian, black, Native American, female woman person to ever be an athlete at the Olympics, you know, she's just going to completely ignore the fact that there's all this shit going on around her and be like, oh, you know, we're, we're the good guy. I'm, I, I'm not the bad guy. I'm the good guy. See? It's, uh, it's a lot of hypocrisy, my friend. I found it interesting to get behind the schemes that the USA didn't decide to respond to all the Uyghur stuff until it came to this in this Winter Olympics coming up. I don't think there's been any other sort of like outcry of the treatment of the Uyghurs. No, I haven't heard any outcry of treatment of uh, that Dutch guy that got the shit beat out of him by some uh, Chinese cop. I don't hear any uproar about that. See, what the fuck's going on with these people? If I remember, yeah, I actually, uh, you want to throw back clip of Biden talking about the, oh God, what was it? It was uh, on China's human rights violations and how it's uh, just a cultural thing. Hmm. Oh, it's just a cultural thing. Hit me with it. Maybe? Wuhan clan. Why are you not playing? That's interesting. Oh, let's try this. Oh, doesn't want to play. My shit, uh, my shit's locked up for a second. Give me two seconds. Uh, you know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, oh, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of of, uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country, and they, their leaders are expected to follow. <laughs> yeah. I'm a cultural barbarian. Right. Barbarian. Uh, I know. Ooh. I don't get it. <laughs> barbarian. <Love> it. <laughs> it's just that what they do, like man. a brand or something. Well... That's that's Joe for you, and that's that's kind of the attitude on the matter. It's like, well, we just let them do what they want, which uh, I think that's kind of what uh, Chamberlain said, you know, before the Olympics, uh, before the 36 Olympics, Prime Minister of England basically said, you know, we're just doing our thing. They're doing their thing. We're just trying to get along, guys. Everybody be cool. Play nice. Be cool. Cool it, people. I watched the uh, Altamont Rolling Stones. Uh, oh shit <laughs> when the guy gets murdered and while they're playing and Mick Jagger's like cool it people <laughs> it's very funny um, so that's what I have uh, I just wanted to bring up some fun uh, China stuff because geez I wasn't watching the Olympics but I just keep hearing about them and every time I look at it I'm like whoa that's uh, that's very foreboding and there you have it, folks. Yeah, I, I, I still find it interesting that it was uh, it, it wasn't until now that uh, they decided to start, or the you know the U.S. started to quote unquote push back and start bluffing their tail feathers. You know, 
No, they can't do shit. The Biden administration yeah. can't do anything. I mean, the 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 in the industrial complex can't do anything. And I mean, I think one of Trump's measures was how much he did, how much he stood up to China is was one of the things that he had to do to differentiate himself from everyone else because everybody else just goes with the program. Everybody else, larger global system, you know. Everybody else is the program. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> the algorithm. Ooh, uh, I'm looking to see if we got any algorithm in our uh, screamail line, but uh, didn't have anything else come through for tonight. Well, you know, the we got a new moon, I think, coming in, and I think uh, everybody is holding their cards close. You know, I think. Everybody's tightening their bootstraps and getting ready for a big party this weekend. Battening down the hatches. That's right. It's going to be a big one. Mm. So if you do want to give us a call, you can always give us a call at 612-263-7999. 612-263-7999. Ah, and thank you again for those new jingles, MK. Oh, my Jesus. Ah, Jesus. God, thank you so much for those. That is value, people. Mm. And stick around after this tune here. We'll have their other two submissions lined up afterwards. Mm. Yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. It was February 7, 2022. Behind the Schemes, episode 83. And we'll be back at it in person. In the grand old state of Nashville, Tennessee, doing it live. Uh, I know Sir Sir Seat Sitter is definitely confirmed for that. We'll be doing an episode, our regular scheduled program, which is 7.30, Eastern. Hell yeah, and also uh, be sure to tune in to our Sunday open mic live broadcast from the Valentine's Day meetup. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to no, be cool. That'll be Monday. Or I'm sorry, Monday. Monday. It'll be it'll be the same day. So it'll be right before that and then that. Yep. Hoping to get a lot of different voices on. We'll have some tunes saved up in the background so I can get up and talk to folks here and there. But uh, I'm, hoping to have a, I'm hoping to have a good time with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you get some time to get some sleep before we go. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to need it, man. We're going to go hard. I'm, I'm going hard right now. <laughs> harder. Harder. I need harder. harder. Oh. <laughs> Don't break our streak now. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. We live over at badradio.live, loveislit.com, or behind the schemes, sch3n3s.com. Also, shoot us emails, boo at behindtheschemes.com. Or lavish at behindtheschemes.com. Yes, that's uh, that's where we got those new jingles sent in to us. You, you broke the, the email uh, virginity. Oh, man, what a way <laughs> to do it. You didn't just you you rocked my world. Yes. First time, no way. And I'll be having every day of my week rocked this coming week. And until next next week, I'll be Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. 
And until then, I am going to need to be drinking some water. My name is Lavish. This show is behind the schemes. Behind the schemes, it's really as What happened to the good old days of Goatsy? This is dirty work. It's dirty work. It's dirty. It's dirty. May the Luciferian light of reason guide you on your way. I'm going to get right off. Let me rephrase that. Very science. Very cool. Very legal. Well, you know, there's a one uh, red-eyed Wyerton girl up there. This is Behind the Schemes. The esoterica of your dreams. <laughs> Feel safe knowing we're living in a world that's just for babies.